Internets, this episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by our great friends over at Bevel, the first and only shaving system designed specifically for coarse, curly, nappy hair, and sensitive skin. Check out GetBevel.com today and use promo code COMBAT to get 20% off your first month at GetBevel.com. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L.com. GetBevel.com. Yeah. Yeah, internet. So you tuned into the best of uh, 2014, the best episodes of Combat Jack Show for the year. Um, we've had so many, man. But the, the first one we're going to get into, number 10, is, is one of my favorites, Jessica Rosenblum. You know, I had heard uh, Russell, Russell Simmons was on one of our earlier episodes and he talked about how Jessica opened up the door for him and Andre Harrell and Rick Rubin to, 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 to be down with the downtown scene, club scene, a nightlife scene. And to hear somebody that was instrumental in, you know, opening up those doors and then, you know, managing Funkmaster Flex and then creating the white linen party for, for Diddy. To, like her story is crazy, you know, especially the parts where she talks about her relationship with with uh with 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 Chris Lighty, man. This was a great episode. I learned a lot from it. So to, this is this is number ten to Jessica Rosenblum episode. I first started. I worked at uh, Nels. I was one of the original door people at Nels, and that's how I met everybody. What year was this? Sunday night at Nels? No, no, no. This is long before Sunday night. This okay. is when Nels was the shit all week long. Sunday night at Nels was years later when it w- became sort of like an urban night. Okay. This is way before. This is, I'd say, 86. 86. Wow. Yeah. wow. Well, right when they opened. We're talking super fabulous. Bianca wow. Jagger, Mick yes. Jagger. Yes. So we're talking Hall. like the, 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 the height of New York club life. Beyond, yeah. Right. Well, super. I'd say there was a, a there was an era before that that was really important, like right. Studio 54, 54 and Xenon and all that right. stuff. And I was crazy as a teenager. Okay. I used to run away. I went to all those. I went to Studio 54 when I was 14 years old. Really? Mm-hmm. Connected. Like in the back office where they were like stuffing cash in the secret compartments. How and well, were you so connected? That's a story for another day. We got a lot. We can't. That's a story for right now. <laughs> um, How were you so connected? I had a friend uh, who had another friend. <laughs> God, it's not even an ex- interesting story. It was. But to be in Studio 54. I know. At well, 14, at the height of Studio 54, is a story. And I want to know. It is. And. I also kissed Billy Idol. Really? In, in, what, in what year? I'd say like a year or two. I was probably like 16. Dancing no, no. Billy Idol. Uh, uh, I uh, bought uh, this album. Uh, uh, That's how hot Billy Idol was. Well, do we really have to do the math? No, 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 no. Because <laughs> you look like you're 32 yeah. right now. Yeah. So well, anyway, what the, fuck were you doing? <laughs> what the fuck were you doing in Studio 54? I don't know. I think it's always been in me, the nightlife right. thing. I okay. just wanted to do it. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be in the mix. It and you had exciting. access. Yeah, I, but I always figured out a way. I mean, I became one of the original door people at Nels. Right, at 17. We, well, No, no, no. I was 20 when 20. I started working okay. at Nels, and I wasn't legal because you had to be 21, and at that point, stuff was a little more regulated, and but not like now. It wasn't a real industry the right. way Nightland was still sort of the Wild West, but it was super glamorous and exclusive, and this was when Nell and Keith McNally owned it. And it was, I met Keith within the first two weeks that they actually opened the doors okay. to the venue. Right. And I just, and it was something I about got you. his attention. I came in for an interview. I talked mad shit. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I had a, a handbag that was a lunchbox. Right. 
that had like a sort of fifties graphic on it. It was okay. all very downtown. Right, right. Downtown. You, and you were downtown. I was very chick. downtown, and I packed crazy things in the lunchbox that I thought would intrigue him. Cocaine. Because I um no <laughs> no he's like English and very intellectual and okay. clever and I heroin. I no I packed a Martin Amos novel that wasn't in print in the states yet. Oh, okay. and I okay. knew that would Martin Amos Acid. who wrote money later but this was an earlier with book. heroin inside yes oh, yes okay, okay. You. there you thank go you. you caught me thank you so um so there was, was a, a hell big... of a lot of drugs at Nels though but right. of course of course and this I mean, was a big accomplishment for you yeah I didn't think shit of it you couldn't tell me th- this led into my hip-hop days okay. but in those days you couldn't tell me shit I wasn't impressed with anything I did I was right. so like I look back now at stuff I did then like oh it's crazy so one night I'm waitressing yeah Two things happen, and this completes the Nell story and my sort of intro to hip-hop. So one night I'm waitressing, and I got an attitude. But it's like Keith liked the attitude. All the people who worked at Nell's were cast. Like, this one was extraordinarily beautiful. This one was super funny. This one was quirky. This one was exotic. Like, everybody sort of had a role, and they played it to the hilt, and it was like theater in there. It was kind of amazing. So one night I have this table, and I turn around, and it's Russell. Mm -hmm. It's Sal from The Fever. Okay. And they're dates. I don't know who Sal's date was. Russell's date was Cassandra. Cassandra. And okay. she had like, you know, the, the ridiculous like braids with the, the, the beads at the end mm-hmm. snapping against mm-hmm. the side. And they're mm-hmm. sitting at the table. And, you know, Nell's, when they first opened, had this very fabulous menu and kitchen that was done by this well-known woman named uh, Rose. I'm blanking on her last name. She's really well-known in London and has right. restaurants and whatever and just was part of their crew. So there was fabulous things like lamb sandwiches mm-hmm. with leeks and this and that. And they had a white pizza mm-hmm. on the menu. So Russell's like, yo, you know, what's this, what's this white pizza? And now, did you know who Russell was at the time? Yes, okay. but only to the extent of he was that Run DMC guy. He was a Run that's, DMC guy. That's how yeah. we described him. And okay. when he came in, everybody was like, that Run DMC guy right. is here. And I was like, I want that table. Right. Because I had a radio show in high school and I used to play Run DMC. Right. In 84 in Connecticut. Okay. So that was radical. But that's, again, another story. Too right. many stories. Okay. So... I come over to the table and he's like, you know, what's up with this pizza? And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't eat cheese, but everybody who orders it always says they really like it and it's really good. He's like, all right, I'll have that. Right. And then I take the rest of their orders and I'm stomping off. And again, the makeup, the combat boots, the right. hair, the attitude. The attitude. I'm, 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 you know, 20 years old thinking I'm Madonna. Right? right. And he's looking at me like, who's this crazy chick? So, so he's look, he's liking you right now. Something's going on because I think I'm visibly intrigued. Right. And I, and Sal's got the satin jacket on, the fever, the, the, fever, the satin black, jacket. Black and, yeah, no. black and gold, it's black and yellow. I, exactly. Right. It's unbelievable, the whole thing. I mean, you couldn't do it. You couldn't cast it better and put it in a movie. Yeah, they told you it's bullshit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So I come back with the pizza, right? And I put it down. I'm like, you know, carrying it like this. And I put it down. And he calls me back over. He's like, yo, yo, yo. And I'm like, what? And he's like. It's the fucking tomato sauce. You know? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, this is nothing. Meanwhile, it was a white pizza. It was white, like a four it says, cheese white pizza. It's white pizza. So I just looked at him and I was like, you be illin? He was like, oh my God, who the fuck are you? I got to know you. <laughs> so one day I get this phone call and I'm like, hello. And I literally can't understand what the person's saying on the other line. It boils down to this is Tuffy. Andre Harrell's new intern, uh, and he's asked me to call you. Mumbling, and, he's and mumbling. I think his name's Tuffy. Right. And and he's asked me to call you and see if I can help you with anything or run any errands. I'm here X days a week. I was like, yeah, that's okay, right, whatever. Right. Hung up the phone. Take that, take that. I go, I go up, <laughs> I go up to the um, offices again for whatever, and then it's like this guy's tapping on me, like 
what? And he's like, excuse me. He's like, it's such an honor to meet you. I've heard so much about you. So humble. So nice. So humble, right? So humble. Can I do anything for you? Whatever. Uh, I was like, listen, Tuffy, I don't need any help right now. I'm uh, good. I got this. <laughs> this went on. I think I called him like Tuffy for at least two weeks. And he, 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 didn't, he didn't correct you at all. Well, he might have, but I still couldn't have understood him. Right. Because he mumbled. But, but even then. He had, was the magic master manipulator. Mm. I don't know how, somewhere between two and four weeks in the, down the line, the intern was now my buddy and had convinced me to throw a downtown party with him. As you're planning. As I'm planning Heavy right. D's Platinum Party, and he's talking me into throwing a party. What is he telling you? I, I don't even, I can't remember. I don't know. He's like. Voodoo. Yes, voodoo. <laughs> Puff voodoo. Puff voodoo. You gotta understand, he was still at Howard. He'd never thrown a party in New York. There was one, I had thrown parties for years. Right. Like, at this point, I'm probably like, I don't know, what, like 20 something. Whatever. Right? Whatever. Whatever. But the point is, my first, 20 first beautiful. downtown parties had, oh, thank you. My first downtown parties had been like when I was 17, before right. I even, so I'd done all kinds of stuff, plus I'd worked at Nell's, plus I'd, what? Why Who's this how? unknown dude? I don't know. The next thing I know, I could show you the invitations. It's like Did he put something in your fucking drink? <laughs> dude, we did a dinner. I mean, we did the craziest shit. Right. And we there we were off and running, throwing parties. What together. was his swag like back then? Well, he was really funny looking. Hmm. Um but he you know, he was he was so excited for it and he was so driven and you, so it made him you know you, the energy made it charismatic you nailed it on the head because i remember back in that in the, in those days and his lip when i started working like in the industry i didn't know who puffy was nobody really knew who puffy was mm. but one or two people were like yo um puffy told me and and i was like what a stupid fucking name <laughs> puffy this and who, is, who the fuck is? it became annoying hearing about this mm-hmm. puffy until you started seeing he him. He was relentless. Right. If he wanted something or wanted to know about something, I mean, his hunger, his drive, he was relentless. Right. And I used to bring him down. I was his downtown connect. Right. Be like, yo, he called me, yo, take me downtown. I want to see that downtown freaky right. shit, the clubs, the cool shit. I'd be like, you got to fix your sunglass game. Your sunglasses are cheap. Got to fix your teeth game, you dude. You f- fix your jaw game at yeah. the time. It was like, oh, the lip was hanging out. And <laughs> but he had something. But people were always something. like, who is this guy? Why yeah. are you bringing him around? We would bring him like to crazy to to the type of thing you know to the paydays and the hundred thousand mm. dollar and milky way and like all milky those kind way. of stuff you know he wanted to see everything he was so he had such a hunger for right. everything right he was so excited and, for everything. and he had access and he thought that he could learn from me right. he used to ask me internets this is number nine from our best of countdown for 2014 best combat jack show episodes for 2014 come on man number nine is russell simmons russell came in he wanted to talk all that yoga shit you want to talk all that meditation shit? And I was like, Russell, this is the Combat Jack show. We got to talk about your era. And I wish we had cameras in here. This is one of the few times I wish we had a camera in here. Because when his eyes lit up and he realized he could talk about cocaine and pussy, Russell became alive. He was alive, Jack. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was alive. So here's number nine for you, internets. You fucky bergs out there. Number nine of our countdown to Russell Simmons episode. What up, nigga? What's going on, sir? What's going on? Yo, internets. We got Russell Simmons in the building. Why you y'all, y'all call niggas internets? I love that. You like that, right? What the fuck does that mean? Internets, man. You're the not interconnected on the internets. networks. You're on the internets right now. I've never been on a podcast in my life. It's, it's my first, first time. Po- oh! Get ready for Cherry. Hollis Avenue, my corner was the number one heroin. Larry Lucas was on my corner. Mm. It was the number one heroin block in Queens. Mm. 
it destroyed the whole neighborhood. Was there a lot of violence at that time? Yeah, I was in a gang, Seven right. Immortals. You know, I came now, up. why did you join a gang? Because these niggas are stupid. You right. know why the fuck? I don't know why niggas join gangs. How old if they ain't forced to. I ain't, 13, 14, 13, right. yeah, seven immortals. Seven immortals. Younger mortals than the mortals. Now, but you, you got the, when you I had got the old jacket? Old to, yeah, I had the jacket. The, you know, the, the old school shit, the yeah, seven yeah, yeah, yeah. in the middle, and the immortals, the, seven, the, the, the seven. Warrior seven. shit. The warrior yeah, yeah, shit. all that. That's what we had. Right. That, I'm going to tell you, though, when we was the younger mortals, I remember we went to Coney Island, mm. and we you know, we had our colors and shit. We was you know, bullying people. What was the colors? Seven immortals. The seven. They call them colors. Right. The jackets that you paint the colors with the sleeves cut yes. off, right. yeah, sleeves cut off, all that. Seven <laughs> of them. So we was at. I remember when we seen the black spades, and them niggas was much older than us, and and they was what they called um, the fuck they had a name for them niggas that didn't wash, the whole thing where they couldn't wash, they was called it was like some, pledging or some shit. It was a pledge, yeah. They couldn't wash. They was the scariest niggas I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and we we carrying our jackets around and everybody scattered. <laughs> Bitch ass niggas that we walked uh, out of the subway, went home. The <laughs> motherfuckers were so scary. They were older. They murdered niggas like very regularly. You know, we wasn't real murderers. And they ate in niggas. fact, they killed a nigga who was with us, mm. a, a, a black spade, and hung his colors in the park. And I remember staying in the house for two days. Mm. That was my retaliation. Now, what was the, the worst crib. shit you was involved with? In, 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 in the, what was the worst shit in that gang that you was involved in? Other than that, the gang, you know, I did a lot. You know, the stupidest thing I ever did, I used to sell a lot of fake incense, cocaine. Right. And niggas would shoot it. And I used to live in a house where the dope fiends would come and buy 10 dimes of <laughs> coca leaf incense. And they would mix it with their dope because it had caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. And they would shoot it. And we were right by the police station. I still, we, were, we, were, we were right there on 165th Street by the library, by the police station. Mm-hmm. And the dope fiends would be collaborating downstairs, but you could only buy it t- 10 at a time. Mm-hmm. We were not, you can't knock on the door and buy a dime. You had to buy a bundle. So you buy 10 dimes of coke to mix with your heroin. So they would stand around and collaborate. And then send one nigga upstairs with the ten dimes, and, and I used to live in that apartment. I was stupid, I mean, I didn't know any better. Right. I, I did how, a lot of dumb you, shit when I was a kid. How did was, you not know any? You you came from a good family. Yeah, how but that's you, what nigga. House Queens was. I mean, you know, you might have had a decent family, but right. you had a dumb friend. You know, right, next right, door, right. everybody was fucked and up. And so you went with it. Yeah, but niggas went with it. Yeah, we was you know. She was fun. You were so, out there so, hustling. So, so, so we were hustling. I had a new shit. You know, I had niggas on AJ Lefters. Blindness. Hey, I heard. I heard you were selling. Uh, flour as cocaine. To no, no, people. no, no. Incense. incense, crushed incense. It was no coca leaf incense. Coca you go right incense. now to head shop, probably, and you could buy coke and would come in rock form. And you put a bit on your tongue, and your whole head will freeze off. Mm. And back then, no, niggas didn't know cocaine that well, yeah. right? So you put that shit on your tongue, and your whole brain will freeze off. And then if you sniffed it, it had caffeine in it, and if you shot it. It would go along and this with the is dope. Off of incense. You, it's all from incense. It's all from But that was made on purpose. Coca leaf incense. Right. Yeah. They knew what the fuck they were selling. Mm. So why'd you get out that game, man? Because I found music. So me and Curtis Blow, 1979, got on a plane and went to Amsterdam. Fucking nine. Yeah, yeah, 79. Black Pete. Black we Pete to, was rocking we out. We went to, to Amsterdam. And, I'm a t- and they said, what would you like, Mr. Simmons? I said, I'd like some cocaine and some pussy. <laughs> and I, no, this is real talk. And, and when he said, absolutely, I knew I had arrived. Absolutely. <laughs> He's the head of the red cup. He said, of course. We're Amsterdam. Yo, we Russell. Cocaine and you, pussy, no problem. You're in Amsterdam. It's yes. 1979. Could you imagine I've been on a plane? Nigga lands in Amsterdam. Like, what? Rick Ross, I just landed in Rome, nigga. <laughs> nigga. I landed in Amsterdam, no, man. But, but what, what is your dream? Like, wh- I couldn't even fucking believe where I was or nothing. Right. I was the manager. Curtis Blow and I was there. It was our dream. We were thrilled. And ain't and it don't get no better than that. Getting off a plane in Amster fucking damn. And, and, what, what, weed stores. Weed, weed stores. Weed. But but you, you but you, you haven't come down from then. Huh? 
You haven't come down from then. What do you mean? You haven't stopped since then. No, I mean, stop working. Stop rushing. Stop Stop, moving. stop going to Amsterdam. Stop blowing your mind. Stop. It's a journey, man. Well, the journey, it's a journey. It's a journey. I don't think that, you know, I don't think things make me happy or right. those experiences. It's the ongoing process that makes me happy. It's, it's true. It's the journey. It's the journey, but I can honestly tell you there was a moment when that nigga said, yes, you can have cocaine and pussy. In Amsterdam. Because really, what else do you want in life? It's the I mean, first stamp you on, your, on, your, on, your, on your passport. I don't, I don't do cocaine no more. You know, I'm a vegan. I'm a monk. I don't do shit. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, don't use, I certainly don't use drugs. You, I don't, you, you eat pussy. I eat pussy. Yes. I eat pussy. Y'all eat pussy? Yeah, hell yeah. yeah of course. Who don't eat pussy? <laughs> you, you, you eat, in you the eat, room. Tell you me eat booty? <laughs> <laughs> don't answer that. No, answer no. that. Um... I'm stuttering and shit. I mean, <laughs> Sometimes your tongue slips. It's a mess. It's a mess. Russell Rush ain't never been out of loss for words. Russell, ever. Russell, no, Russell, Russell, that's not something you really talk about on the radio, right? <laughs> nah, eating ass. Now, this, right? this is on the internet. I like my ass licked, I tell you that. Uh, uh, who, who, who cheers to that. I'm not asking for too much. <laughs> cheers bonus. to that. Balls in my ass. I tell you one thing. All that you do for the kids? Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Exactly. The story I think that we're going to tell is about Junebug, Hollywood's DJ. Because Junebug was a great DJ. He was the best DJ. And he worked, he was the house DJ. Mm-hmm. And then Junebug would always have the cocaine. Mm-hmm. But little bits, you know, like you buy $100 of cocaine, he'd give you a half a quarter. Mm-hmm. You buy $50 of cocaine, he'd give you $100 of cocaine. cocaine. He, was, he, was, cocaine he was nice to everybody. Back then, cocaine was, you know, it was all it was niggas acceptable. It was cocaine I mean, and <laughs> pussy, right? So this nigga would give us the most coke. He was the most well-loved. Everybody loved him. And then he got murked. Mm-hmm. And that's like we all lost our innocence that next morning because they tied him up and brutally cut. He had some bricks coming or something. Fuck. They killed him and some other people who was close to us. And the next morning, we were all, because that was Sal's best friend. Right. Sal's like Casablanca. Mm-hmm. The Italian guy, made guy, ran the club. He hung out with a nigga, Crazy Eddie, who was known to have murdered many, many people. Mm. And Crazy Eddie was Sal's man. And he held that club down. Right. No, it was not I me. Mean, no murders and nothing. Well, there were murders in the club, but nobody we cared about. <laughs> <laughs> they kill people and drag them off the floor. And we, we had to stop dancing for a bit, yeah. and then we get back to dancing. Internets, here we go with our Best of 2014 countdown, Combat Jack Show, greatest episodes. Episode number eight, Ice T. Come on, man. Ice T, Ice motherfucking T. It's crazy, man, because you, know, you never know where, where one thing is going to take the other end. When I did my Chuck D episode and my Ben Baller episode, those those two episodes put into motion, you know, the, a, a series of events that would get Icy to come on a combat jack. So it was real crazy because let me let me not meander, but it was this one Thursday afternoon. I was cooking dinner for the kids, and I got this text. For, I mean, a DM from Ice from Ice T, and he was like, "I'm about to call you." And he called me, and I was like, "Yo, I'm on the fucking phone with Ice T." And after the conversation, he's like, "I'm coming on the show, Jack." So here we go. I'm saying it's not every day that I get to talk to legends because I'm still a fan of this shit. So here's number eight, the Ice-T episode. See, at some point I kind of like, first when I first started doing the acting shit, I wasn't taking it seriously because I just dropped the OG album. I was heavy in the hip hop and acting was, and then it just kind of started to hit me like, this is a real opportunity. Will Smith is getting $20 million a picture. Mm. Nigga, you got your pinky toe in this game. Mm. You need to start taking it a little more seriously. So that's when I was kind of like, yo, you know, just give me the role. And if it doesn't totally go against my sensibility, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
What what role would go against your sensibility? Yeah, sucking dick. Some, <laughs> <laughs> some wild. So so, like so you wouldn't have been the dude in Will Smith's nah, first movie. Nah, I'm not fucking around <laughs> like that. Some, you know, you can't unring a bell, and sometimes you step on some shit you right. can't get off your shoe. Yeah. So you know, I I ain't doing none of that shit. I mean. Because I'm not gay. Right. So why would I do that? If I was a gay dude, that was part of my, you know, get down. But I'm not. So I'm not I'm not doing that. But uh, I did a little scene in, in Law and Order recently where me and Danny Pino played. Like, we had to go undercover. And we had our little gay swag on. And we kind of, I was a well-dressed gay man. And we went into this gay bar. I didn't have no problems with that. You know what I'm saying? Blue Oyster? I don't know where the fuck we went. What the hell are you talking about, Blue Oyster? You know the spot? You know the spot? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Eyes is from Police hey, Academy. No, no, no. It, it was a cl- told me the spot now. Nah, name some more of them. No, nah, shit. I don't know the real else you hang, man. No, no. The Blue Eyes is a famous spot from Police Academy. <laughs> you got it. Sort of, yeah. Yo, Pete, Pete, ice, Pete, Pete. You just told me you was in jail. Now you hit me with No, 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 no. Don't do that, man. Hey, but now, nah, man, my thing is that I don't have no issues like that. I, I graduated out of high school on a 20-week report card. I, I'm, I was an honor student. Mm. Niggas don't know that. I'm. I, I would. I would, makes sense though. I would go to school and get the A's, and I would. I knew how to master school because I would take the hard classes in summer school, because they're only six weeks. And I would, and then by the time we got to regular school, I had all electives and bullshit. Mm. Niggas see me ditching like. Ditching. <laughs> I said, like, nigga, I just took algebra and trig over the. So you, you, so you gamed high school, B. Yeah, well, I was not game at that time. It right. was survival right. skills. You know, you had to figure out how to do it. But I knew I had to be intelligent. I never really liked dumb niggas. Yeah. Like, I would be around niggas and, like, they would take pride in being dumb. Like, not, dumb knowing, shit. not knowing how to talk and, you know, like, like even today I listen to like, a lot of MCs. I'm like, you sound like you got wet tea bags. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yo, some of this new shit, be. Why don't you want to talk? With you know, with some diction, with some I eloquence, man. I, I didn't get that. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I need to know some information. I'm on my own. I don't have no family. I gotta be. I can't be dumb. I can't be dumb. So I would go to school. Like, so I graduated on a twenty week report card. Got out of school. I had my own apartment when I was seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. I've been on my own ever since I was seven. When I was seventeen, I I got out of school. I told my aunt. I said, "Bitch, I'm, I'm, I, I ain't fucking <laughs> with you." You know, you getting Social Security money for me. That's like $250 a month. Give me that. Yeah, let me get that. She gave it to me. I got me an apartment for $100 a month uh, in the hood. Did she say you wasn't going to be shit? She told me I wouldn't make it. Okay. You know? But, you know, I I don't listen to that. Yes. That's corny to me. And then I, 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 I took $100. I got a $100 a month apartment. You know it was in the ghetto. And I, I got a, uh, I took another hundred dollars and I was buy food. I buy canned food, Chef Boardee, ramens, all kinds of shit like that, Vienna sausages, all that shit. And then I had fifty bucks, and that was my my budget. Right. So now, so you were disciplined, B. Well, to an extent. Now I'm trying to do this. I get the girl pregnant. Well, not before I got the girl pregnant. I'm I'm in this zone, and here comes the crime. So the homies is like, yo, nigga, you know, we out here. We can go steal a car radio or whatever. So if I stole a car radio, it doubled my income. Mm. So, you know, crack hadn't hit. The dope game hadn't hit yet. So we was trying to do little little bullshit. I call it petty crimes. Petty Nothing crimes. penitentiary right. worthy. And then what happened was 
Nicky started selling weed, and that was back in the days where like a, you could get like a key of weed for like five hundred dollars, like that big <laughs> block of yeah, weed. Yeah, with the, with the you, seeds and niggas the be like, trees. give me ten fingers, <laughs> like some big huge bag and shit of that. So we was trying, I was trying to do all that kind of shit, and um, I said, man, shit, this is this isn't really gonna work. And I, I got my girl pregnant at that time, and that's when I said, man, I, I went in and enlisted in the military. What made you go to the military? Was the it the kid, benefits? The kid. Right. Because I'm in the street now. I don't got nowhere to fall back on. I got a daughter, and I'm like, I'm not hustle. I'm, 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 I, you know, my hustle was weak. It was a no-go, like I said, and, it's, and, and that's how I'm living. And, and, it's, and it's a song, that's how I'm living. I tell this whole story. And, um, I go in the army, you know, and uh, four years in that shit, be all the fuck you can be, you dig? I go in and I, I'm, I'm trying to find, do the right thing. But when I came back, that's when the big shit changed. Because when I came back, my niggas that was small time criminals was big time criminals. Right. And that four years of niggas had moved from robbing cars to robbing jewelry stores and banks. And banks. And now you come home and you got skills. Yeah. I got skills and I'm not really I'm not really the kind of motherfucker that really had much else. I tried the military and I was like, you know what? I'm at that point. I got a kid. I got to do something. And they were sloppy with their shit. You know, I'm like, y'all don't even understand. You know, you need we need, formations you know, and we need to know how to run this shit. We need, you know, and I was able to draw maps and <laughs> <laughs> make shit. I never got caught. Now, were you getting a thrill out of that shit, man? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yo, the criminal, being a criminal is a fucking mind trip. It's it's a very ill drug. It's 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 you're actually turning you're turning life upside down. You're saying what's good is bad and what's bad is good. It's a weird warp. So, anyone who works for a job, they're a sucker. Right? Right? We don't. We're cooler than that. If you do low shit, it's looked upon as being good. It's like crazy weird warp. So once you hang around a bunch of people like that, you take pride in it. And yeah, there is an adrenaline rush. And of course, you know, stealing a cookie, stealing a cookie that you're not supposed to do. Like I used to say, you know, here's a line. You're the cop. You're telling me I can't cross it. My job is to cross it and get back without catching mm. who got the harder job. Mm. So there's a pride in being able to beat the system. But, you know, you, you you can only do that shit for so long. And like my homie right now, I got all my friends right now. They got the LWAPs. And, and, and you know you know what the LWAP <laughs> is? You're a prison, prison motherfucker. That's life without parole. Yeah, so they get, the, they get the WAP. And they telling me, they told me, I tell these niggas, do not break the law unless you got a cape and a utility belt. Because <laughs> they say the cops got too many. They just, just you got, got you got eyes in the sky. Cameras on every corner. They got your DNA before you even come out right listen, now. Listen, man, listen. So, you know, I got involved in that shit with my homies. And we was relatively fucking successful. But. You guys I, were going straight to the safes, huh? We were doing the shit in the heat. We take, yeah, we go in the safe. <laughs> yeah, we we would, you know, but we you have allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Did I? What the fuck did I just say, <laughs> CJ? Well, no, we 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 would we would we would we would do take what they call takeovers. Yes. 
And then we, you know, in the jewelry game, you got the bash, you got the snatch and run, you got the you got the arm situation. I'm a, I was never much into arm shit yeah. because I always felt like if you pull a gun, somebody from way over could see you and they got the right to bust off and drop one in your head. So I was always like, I wanted to be more of a player. I wanted to play you out of it and, and, and take it. But regardless of that, that's neither here nor there. You know, we made a few dollars and, uh, and, uh, lived an interesting life at four I did that for I say maybe five solid years. Five, six maybe well yeah, about six solid every day. And when I'm talking about everyday crime and you might know I don't know what level you was in, I'm talking about getting up and committing felonies all right. day long. Right. Every all day. Like every chance you can, you're breaking the law. See I'm <laughs> I, I, see I'm I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you. And and one of the reasons why I'm so excited that you're here is because mm -hmm. I look at you I revere you as a, and most of us revere you as a, yeah. as an elder statesman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What per, what kind of person were you back then? Like what? What? I, I was I was not a good person, mm. man. I wasn't a. I was just feeling like I had a, got dealt a bad fucking deal, and I was like, yo, I got to get paid. That's the only thing that's gonna create my life. You dig? You know. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack. We are going through the best of 2014 top 10 episodes. Number seven is Kevin Gates. And, and the reason why it's so crazy is I really didn't, you know, my forte is usually like uh, legacy acts. I like to talk to acts that have had at least 20, 30 years in the game, 10 years at, at, at least. And, and, and when, when, when it came to my attention that, that Kevin Gates or Kevin Gates people wanted him on the show, I was like, fuck it i'll do it you know what i'm saying like i was i just fuck it i'll just do it you know kind of like reluctant but when the dude came up in here man the motherfucker was so weird and spaced out and i don't know if it was the lean that he was speaking in, but the more he was speaking that spaced out shit it's my spaced out shit started activating man i don't know if it was from all them hallucinogens that i used to take back in the days or whatever but i was fucked up listening i was fucked up listening to kevin gates he was on a different plane and I'm so fortunate that Pete, Premium Pete, was in the building to have that shit come crashing down. So here you go, number seven for my countdown, the Kevin Gates episode. When I was reinserted back into society in 2011, I had nothing. I don't have that story that most rappers come in here and tell everybody that, and I had everything I wanted, and uh, I had dump trucks full of money. I'm just doing this because this what I just wanted to felt like I ain't had nothing to do. I was bored. I don't have that story. I put everything into this because I suffer from severe cases of depression. So me having my master's in psychology. That you got while locked While up. in prison, while incarcerated. I, I, I performed a psychoanalysis on myself. And every interview that I have sounds the same because I don't know any other creative ways to tell the truth. I just know one thing and I tell the truth. That's it. You ever get counseling, man? No, I counsel myself. I performed a psychoanalysis on myself. <laughs> I suffer from unresolved grief. Okay. And my vice, so to say, is music. Where's the grief coming from? Unresolved grief? Yeah. My unresolved grief comes from situations that I've been in and people abruptly departing from my life. And, you know, when you love somebody, you know, with all of your heart, you know, betrayal, you know, trust issues. You develop all of these things when being street-oriented, you know. And it's not that I can't let go, but I just I'm real passionate about the love I have for people because I didn't I never was a social media type person. And when I say social media, I was never in the TV or anything. I always been an outside person. 
So, so you, you and my entertainment the, was people. Right. So you definitely not the Instagram type like, to be up there with somebody I else. I do it. Right. I do it. I do it. But that's more like me just that's documentation of my everyday what's going on. Right. If I'm thinking about something, I might get on there and just talk about, you know, people playing mental gymnastics with me or something. I might like the last video I just did. I was like, for what song? No, and it was just a little self okay. video for Instagram. I said, I was like, you know, people tell me Kevin Gates, my barber better than your barber. You don't have a barber. <laughs> you have a talented artist, <laughs> right? Because he sprayed your hairline on great. <laughs> now go take a shower. Mm. I don't get tired. I just, I, I might just say things, and people be like, you know what? You know, that's the truth. And I just tell the truth, and a lot of people find humor in my honesty, and I'm okay with that. Do you not believe in having somebody else come in and, and help you walk through your depression? I do, right. but I believe that as soon as you sit down with a person that considers themselves to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist, whatever you want to call the individual, the um, the healing process has been the healing process has been compromised. The healing process is compromised because there's something called the individualistic approach. There is no individualistic approach. Once you pay someone, you're never going to completely be open with this individual. Right. But, yeah, you, but I, you know you don't have the, to do this alone, this, though. This individual is going to categorize behavior patterns based on what you tell him. That isn't the origin of the problem. That isn't the root of the problem. At all. But I do believe that when you go see a psychiatrist, that even though you're paying for them, okay, you know, and it could be covered by your coverage or something, though that job of a of a counselor, of a psychiatrist, a lot of them don't make a lot of money. You know, like when I was away, I was in group homes. I got mandated back in the day to like treatment programs. You know, when you get caught with, I've with, been with in group homes. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, but when you get caught, like back in the day, they used to have. Like I said, I have a juvenile record. Yeah, no, I, listen, so I'm right, I'm right there with you. you discharge yeah. to a group where you know you discharge to a group home. Yeah, so before being reinserted back into society. I'm saying some of those counselors are real, real people that been through shit that we've been through. They don't make a lot of money. That job comes from their heart. Some of them are. Yeah, I'm not saying all. Some of yeah. them are, but I'm talking about on the level where you go into an office seeking professional mm-hmm. help. I'm talking about paying money. You know, that's, I feel like the healing process is compromised by that. Now, in a group home, that's a different arena. That's a different setting. You have young, impressionable youth that have been misguided and mm-hmm. things of that nature doing what they may have thought was the right thing or doing the wrong thing which, with having the right intentions. So when you have that type of setting, then yeah, shout out to uh, Big Daryl, one of my counselors. Yeah. You know, he coached me through a lot of issues that I had going on. And I, and I think you just said the right word. You know, I, I know coming from the black community, man, we don't really embrace mental health. You're saying there's a lot of us. That's, that's, the reason I advocate right. depression because so many people suffer from depression and don't, don't even, even know don't it. Don't even know it. Mm. Don't even know it. And I'm going to share something now that you said that I'm going to share something that yeah, I've I, never shared I like this guy. in any <laughs> interview before. But I haven't been happy since 2007. At all. At all. And I've read rehabilitation books about triggers. Everything's a trigger for me. I don't go to the movie theaters because I don't want I don't feel that I would enjoy that movie without enjoying it with this person. No, these are the things that I love. I had a lot of money. I've been getting money. 
I acquired a lot of things in the streets, you know, before rap. None of those things ever got in the bed and held me and made me feel okay. So it was another human being that me being in love with this individual. And I'm talking about to this day, I still don't know who I am because that's where I existed. So when I hear rappers come out here and talk all this, you making fun of my life. You making fun of my life. You ain't never lived it. Yeah, I got DOC numbers tattooed on my hand, Department of Corrections. I've been in the field. You know, and that's that's what I talk about when I hear people glorify the so you dope got dead game. numbers on, 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 on... Yeah, I got my DOC number on my hand. But I hear people glorify the you, dope you, game. You got yours, man? No, no, no. They that? glorify the dope game. All this money, this money, that. But talk about that time. Talk about how when I'm at meetings or interviews, my phone ringing, jail be calling me. Mm. I got to go put money on my phone. I keep green dot cards in my bag. So if anybody call them cocked, here, come on, let's get right. See, they don't talk about that part. You know, and then society worships rats. They'll worship it's a rat because he got up. money. Yeah, it's all fucked up right now. Because he got money, yeah, you yeah, worshiping yeah. a rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not gangster. Right. You can't be a gangster and you done been a police. You can't be a gangster and you was a police. That ain't, no, that's not gangster. That's you as a rat. When you say that, did, would you refer to somebody even like a Rick Ross, even though he's a correctional officer? That ain't my business. No, I'm just I'm just asking. That ain't my correctional correction. That ain't my business. And like I say, when I live on, uh, I live a life based on morals and principles. Yeah, yeah. I don't speak on another man. No, no I, I know what you're saying, but when I you're saying, but you, but you are speaking on another man brother. because they count the dead bodies before the living bodies when they come on the unit. They count the dead bodies first. It's situations I would never speak about. I've done things that I would never speak now, about. The I, world would never know. I know what you're saying. Because it's personal. I'm speaking it's between about... me and whoever it happened to. Because I don't move with no entourage. Kevin will tell you, I come all through New York, me and my lady. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because if you disrespect me, man, tell your mom, get you some black clothes. Because I don't believe in looking <laughs> over my shoulder. <laughs> I ain't got time. I ain't got time to play with you. And when you say that, when you throw that in there, would you speak on somebody like, I'm not speaking nah, on I'm not, But that's I, not but, penitentiary but you kinda, rules but, in But you kind of are because you can't. Like, no, I'm not. You're I'm contradicting yourself right now because. No, I'm not. I, penitentiary I, rules in effect. I, I know what you're saying, but you're talking about rappers. How? But listen, listen, hear me out. You're saying rappers, uh, you know, you can't be a cop. But I, I'm if asking you if somebody before, like Rick if, Ross. If you've done time before. Then what's understood don't need to be explained because penitentiary rules and effect. True, but correctional correctional officers they just criminals like fucking us. You know what I'm saying? They, they like they. You're they, not a criminal no more. I I understand that, but so, but I mean I have a record. Penitentiary rules in effect. And, and Kevin, you're if not you, a criminal right now, right? If you've been to the pen, you know what that means. Penitentiary uh, of, rules. Of course, in CEOs a CEO, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's CEOs all throughout. Right? I know one Brooklyn. thing. When you when you in the field. You have to be a man first. Morals and principles. You have to live a life based on morals and principles. They have people that come to me and tell me they bring the Holy Bible. I know that book better than you. Mm. I mean, they got people that come to me with the Quran. I know that book better than how you. How many times you read the Bible? Man? It don't. That don't matter. You read, read it, the Quran. Man, what did you What did you get from it when you right. read it? Right, right. But you know, people they, they be not busy by it as in other men's matters. Everybody that said they come with the Holy Bible yeah, is a walking don't, don't contradiction. Don't be no busybody in, in somebody else's. Yeah, mind. so that even that question you heard me to say that you did time was offensive to me just now. 
but I'm not offended by what you're saying. But at the same time, main penitentiary rules in effect. I done seen niggas get crushed up glass putting their drinks. You're not waking up from that one. <laughs> You're not waking up from that one. Right, right. But in milk, so, in milk. So, 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 in any drink, in any drink, that's why you got to respect yourself. Yeah, I could beat him up right now, this guy right here. I could beat him up, but he's the one who feed me. He feed me. I lost already. I lost the battle was won. It was lost before I even engaged. Incidents, here we are on the best of countdown of 2014, the best combat jack show. This one right here, number six, is very near and dear to my heart, man. We got an opportunity to interview Raymond Santana, one of the one of the individuals that was involved with the whole Central Park Five incident, man. And, you know, when their documentary came out last year, the Central Park Five, I really wanted to talk to them young kids because when you look back at the footage, you see, you know, the type of life that they had, the swagger that they had, and all these interviews that they've done. I never heard anybody talk about what was their lifestyle before, you know, all this tragedy, man. And it's so timely with all the shit that's going on in our society with police brutality and injustice to, to, to bring back to life a story that took place close to 30 years ago is amazing, man. So, Internet, this is episode number six, uh, Raymond Santana from the Central Park Five. You know, one of the things that, that I really, like, wanted to talk to y'all about, man, was, like, just the swag y'all had. You know what I'm saying? Before before the nightmare, before the horror. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You look at the images of you, like, 14 years old. Yeah. Hair, haircut was clean. What, what was you wearing back then, man? You know, um, back then, we used to stay in the Gap a lot. Mm. You know, I had a dude uh, up in my neighborhood named Lynn Swan who used to cut my hair, you know, every week for $5. Right. You know, um, and... When I moved to Harlem, it was it was totally different. Everything was fast paced, and, and and I like to hang out sometimes with the older dudes in my neighborhood. And they was wearing Averex jackets, you know, and they was wearing Tim's Forty Below. Yeah, and, Forty mm-hmm. Below. You know, you know, Class. And yeah, yeah. so, you, you, you know, you got you got to you got to do like they do. Yeah. You know, and so that's how I started to pick up a lot of that swag at a young age. Yeah. And then when I got to school and I started to see them girls, I was you know. I got to step my game up. I can't be coming here looking crazy. <laughs> nah, man. You know? And, I like and, that you said the haircut was getting fresh every week. Man. Every week. Every week. I, you know, I, I used to save my little lunch money, and I would go see my boy, Len Swan. He would cut my hair. You know, it was $5, yeah. so it was, it was cool. What, what was on your feet other than the 40 Belows, man? You know, uh, oh, Air Force Ones back then, because, mm-hmm. you know, remember they had the hot tops with the straps. Yep, yep, yep. And so, you know. The Uptowns. The Uptowns. Yeah. That, you know, you know before, we, used to go up to, we used to go up to Jew Man in the Bronx, mm. and we used to get them. You know, and it was legendary about, spot. Legendary spot. You know, you had to go out there with your boys because they try to rob you. Yep, for yep, yep, yep. You know what I'm saying? And my brother-in-law, he lived in the neighborhood, so it was no problem to go in there and, and get the triple fat goose right. or the G-man coat. You know, and so you know that's how I was yeah, at what, 14. What do you remember most about those days, man? Like I said before, the nightmare, man. Like, what were some of the best moments of your life? You know, for me, it was you know I, I used to love to go to school, right? Because where'd you go to school? I went to school on 109th uh, and 3rd Ave. What school? Junior high school in 17. Okay. And it was about five different schools in the building. So there was a lot of girls. So you always had to come in there, with, you know, on your best. And, right. and, and some of the dudes that I hung out with, they would fly, you know. And so we was always into hip hop. You know, we always listened. You know, I used to, like I said in the film, I used to literally uh, uh, record the videos and put them on the tape, on the VHS. And I would just play them all day when I was in the house. Video, that was my radio. Video music box or, or, or Yo MTV? Yo MTV. And a little bit. And video, video music box, we got hipped on it like a little bit after. Right. But uh, uh, Yo MTV was big. Yeah. And so, and, and sometimes even my boy, he would tape me, he would give me the tapes, and I would just be playing them in my house. 
And my dad would literally come in and be like, yo, you still rocking this? This is a VHS. <laughs> this ain't even a box. Right. You know, but it, it that was that was my music. Yeah, well, what, what what were you into? Like, what some of the, name some of the groups Big that. Daddy Kane was the first artist that, like, blew me away. Yes. You know, um... You know, to, to you know, to hit you know, to spit the bit, and that mm. killed me. Cause I get raw. I get raw. Right. It had me, and I was hooked. And he was my favorite artist back then. Okay, you know, and then later on, you know, it was Rock Him, and 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 cause you know he started kicking the stuff that I didn't really know, but I got in tune later on. Right. But Big Daddy was Big Daddy was, was crazy, EPMD. Man. EPMD was another one. You know, like that era. I was I was hanging out a little bit more, and so the older dudes they was coming to Suzuki Jeeps, and they was playing that. It's my thing, you know, and, and so who that EPMD? Oh, the dudes with the with the with the with the uh, with the link chains and all that, and, and that became one of my favorite groups. Yeah. What you want to be, man? What were your aspirations at fourteen? I know you said you were trying to, you were coming into your own. We really don't know what we want to be. We but. really don't know. I mean, you know, at fourteen, I used to love to sketch. Mm. You know, I used to love to draw. I used to, you know, I used to, um, you read comics. I, I loved comics. What, what comics were you reading? You know, man? some X Men was my my joint. John Byrne. Yeah, you know, Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a, that was a golden era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Wolverine. I, I you know, Spider Man. You know, I was a big Marvel head. You know, I had boxes. I had you know, I remember buying Ninja Turtles the first issue right. like back then. Wow. You know, I had boxes of comics, and that was my thing. And I used to love the sketch. So you, in a sense, also kind of like a nerd. Yeah, almost, almost. You know, I. I I jumped over the new, fence here and there. There was not, a nerd with know. some swag. No, but yeah, but, 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 but a lot of us was. You know what I'm saying? No, like, definitely. A lot of us was. Like, one of the things that I'll never forget when we had Mano on the show. You know, Mano says a lot of us come from the hood, but all of us aren't necessarily hood. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And, and I remember, like, I was into, like, I knew cats in the street. You know what I'm saying? I like to think that I was fresh, even though my co-host... Premium P thinks I was corny back in the day. No, I never said corny. You know what I'm he wore a lot of turtlenecks. I didn't wear it. Fuck you, man. I didn't have no fucking turtlenecks. But I kept <laughs> comics on me. But yeah. the, the climate was, you know, you'd read your comics, and then when other cats came on the train, you just slid them away just so that you wouldn't get tested. Yeah, or you kept them in the book bag till you got home. Yeah. You know, that's what I used to do. I, I read them in the crib. Yeah. So I had stacks of them in the cribs, and, and, and that's where I read all that stuff at. Santana, where was your mom's, man? You know, my mom's lived in the Bronx. Okay. And at that time, she got sick. Okay. And she passed away when I was in prison for wow. cancer. Well, did they did they get divorced? Your parents or they separated? Yeah, they got divorced. Okay. Yeah, they had they wound up getting divorced right before she got sick. Right. And and how did that affect you at the time? Man? You know, it, I was in college at the time in prison. Right. And and I was doing horrible. You know, I was doing horribly in my first my first semester. And and I had this one class, and it was a, a environmental issues class, biology. And I'm like, uh, I'm not gonna make it. And the professor knew what I was going through, and he said, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. Write a paper, and if the paper's good, I'll pass you for the class. That's crazy. And my paper was on cancer, and he passed me. And that's how I made it out my first semester in college. That's crazy. You know, and but that whole period for me with her, you know, it was rough. I, you know, uh, And I, I could imagine the stress that this whole yeah, bullshit. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't even cut my hair for like two weeks. I didn't want to do anything. And it took a senior counselor, took me in a room one day, and he said, listen, he said, you know, I know you're going through a lot. He said, write your mom's a letter. And I said, you think that works? And he said, yeah. And I said, whatever. I walked away, and I locked in one night, and I wrote the letter in 10, 20 pages. And and that's what pulled me out of that. Right. You know, and then after that, I I was able to ship up and get back to work and, and, and get my degree. Yeah. That night, I mean, you tell the story a lot, you know what I'm saying? But this is the first time you're telling it on the Combat Jack show. 
that night, like after everything in the park, you guys came out, right? You, mm-hmm. you, where'd you Where'd you guys go? No, what happened was we was I was well, we was walking up uh, Central Park West right. when I got apprehended by a detective named Officer Reynolds. Okay, um, not a detective; he was a police officer, police white, officer, white, 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 black, black, black officer. Right. Who was just recently in the Daily News this past week? Because he's he's the guy that's claiming he invented the term yeah. "wilding." Yeah, I, you know, I mean, is he fucking crazy? Yeah, I, and I, you know, and the thing that bugged me, I would say, he's you, wilding out. You want credit for that shit? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you know, he's uh, I'm the one who 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 put in the report wilding and Wolfpack, and I said this, and he's a black dude at yeah. that, and it's like, wow, you want credit for that? Yeah, right, how, fine. How how did how did he approach you, man? No, what happened was that um, uh, the group was ahead of me, right? Right, I was walking by myself, and when he came, jumped out of his car, the group ran, but I kept walking. And he grabbed me, and he grabbed this other kid by the name of Steve Lopez. Right, and we were the ones that got arrested that night. Right, and then um, and you weren't running. Nah, right. I was just walking. the The group was like at least you know there was steps ahead of me. So when they scattered, you know, and um, and I just kept walking, and I got to the corner, and he grabbed me and put me on the wall. Had cops ever fucked with you before? Nah. Yeah. So this is the first. This is your real first interaction. Real first with, with quote unquote law enforcement. That's correct. And what is he telling you? You know, I said what I do, and he, and he um he put me on the wall, and um I kept questioning like why you stopped me, why you stopped me. And he what was it, what was your attitude like? No, my you know, I had an attitude, right. you know, because like why you stopping me? And he, he pulled us walkie talkie, and he hit me in the back of the head with it. Right. And I stopped talking after that. Number five on our countdown, internet. Number five is it's one of those situations, man, where you know you you just pray for something. And it lands in your hands. This one is with uh, Officer uh, Corey Life Pegues, and he's the retired NYPD officer that used to run with the Supreme Team gang back in the in the nineteen eighties in, in in Queens. Man, it was a wild gang, and it's so timely because I remember that week I couldn't get any celebrities on the show. Like these people had either canceled or whatever, whatever. It was just hard to to, to pause to get somebody on the show. And I was at this party, and somebody introduced me to Corey, and we started talking, and the more I heard his history, I was like, yo, he would be great on the Combat Jack show. So this is one of those situations where it was like, just like the Kevin Gates episode, I was like, fuck it, I'll take a chance. And I mean, it ended it ended with us being on the cover of the Post and CNN and the controversy, fuck the Post, by the way. But I love this episode. You know, it takes us back to an era and it shows us what kind of what kind of stand-up dude Corey Pegues is, man. So episode number five, the Corey Life Pegues episode. I'm going to school every single day with a tool every day because I had to take two buses in the train to get to school because I was I'm going away to Newtown. Now, right. now, now, what was it that made it so dangerous? Was it the, just the condition? Because they beat up all the five percenters. Mm. It was just, it was a mess. I'm going to Elmhurst. They had their little crew when they knew I was from the other side. Now, these, these are black kids. Yeah, black kids. Right, who, some Spanish, right, blacks, right, right. minorities. You know, but it was like territorial. It was very territorial. Oh, always territorial. Always. What neighborhood so you I from? So I was the dude what that block brought you from? all these Dudes mm-hmm. over there that robbed everybody and beat everybody up. Right. So it was a problem. Now, 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 how did you, like, we, when you were growing up, and this is an old term, were you a hard rock? Were you a kind of like a thug? Or were you just a, n- a normal kid who had. Nah, growing up. So my introduction to the streets was, you know, like maybe 13 years old, 12, 13 years old. You know, I grew up in a family of six, five sisters and me right. on welfare. You know, okay. we had that funny money. I believe the $5 bill was purple. 
The $1 bill was brown <laughs> and $10 bill was green. I still remember it to this day. Right. You know, they got these EBT cards now, so right. you're not embarrassed. You yeah, know, yeah. when I was coming up, you get to, this, to the counter, you, you got everything, and you go ahead and pull a book out, and your man walk in, and you go, I don't want none of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you get low. You get low. So, you know, so my mother couldn't, she couldn't she provide. She was single, single. She was single. single my, okay. father, my father was in the house for a few years, but he was a drunk. My mm. father was a straight alcoholic. You know, I can't give everything up from the book. Of I got course. a plug. I just wrote a book from yes. the streets to the beat. So, but he was a straight alcoholic, but functioning. He went to work every single day at Creedmoor Hospital. Damn. He drove mentally disabled people, but he used all his money on alcohol, but the dude got up every day and went to work, and he provided what he could. Right, but we was on whatever, whatever was left, whatever was left out of the bare, bare minimum. It was bare minimum. Right, right. So you know, my introduction, my man from Hollis grabbed me at like thirteen. Me and my man Sean Dude was like, "Yo, I need you to get these Lucys off." The you know, ironic thing, I think about Eric Garner getting murdered in Staten Island. Mm. For the record. You heard what I said, murdered. I'm a cop with 22 years. Eric Garner was murdered. And right. I want right. to get to That's that. That's what it was, and right. we'll get to that. Yeah. So at 13, I'm selling Lucy's, but you know what the Lucy's was back then. Right. There right. wasn't cigarettes. The Lucy's was the joints. You know, loose joints. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the introduction to getting into the street, and everything I did was because I had to do it. I, you know, did you think you were doing sneakers. something wrong? I always knew I was doing something wrong. One thing my Why? mother always gave us okay. morals and values, took me to church. I went to Sunday school. I did all of that, but she couldn't provide. There was nothing we could do. So, right. you know, you, you're at a point where you got to eat. Mm. So sometimes I sympathize with the kids. You got to eat. You know, everybody tell the kids, stay off the streets, don't do this, don't do that. And then you have no alternative for them. But, but you're also in a city where you see other people eating. It, not only that, but other people having. When we you growing up in the late eighties, mid eighties to late eighties, this was it was almost like the thing to do. Right. It you it was wrong. Everybody know it was wrong, but that's what you was doing. Right. As long as it's like smoking weed had, is quote unquote wrong, but right. everybody's doing it. Everybody's, everybody's doing, doing it. But I always had the gift of gab. I was a ladies' man. I know how to navigate through situations. So I was able to maneuver with different crews. Now were you a time. tough guy? I we, we I did my thing. Did you? Were you? Were you I wasn't the dude that they say, "Yo, that's the hitter right there." Right. So you weren't the shooter, but you wasn't the guy running away from from the opposition. Never ran, never will. <laughs> now, now you 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 mentioned earlier, man, that that you always used to travel strapped all the time. How'd you, how'd you get the strap, man? <laughs> Yo, it was crazy for like three jumps. If I could remember correctly, it was like this fiend wanted some work. He ain't had no money. And it's like, yo, I got this thing. Just give me three jumps. You hey, got hey, that. That's crazy. What but did, that's what, what it did, was. What did you have? You got a 22. A 22. Nickel it. played it. 22. Shining. Nickel played it. How old were you when you got the 22? Like 14. 14. High, 15. Now, now, tops. now, how much power, what does that do to a 14-year-old walking around with a twin, with a gun? Well, you know what? It wasn't even about the power. Right. It was more about the other P. It was about the protection. Yes. Because we was out there. We was getting it. So when you go from Lucy's and this thing called crack hit, right. it was just, it was a monster. What was your introduction to crack? Same. My man from Hollis, same. So we, the Lucy's was going, they was going so quick. You know, it was a hundred, so you getting twenty. Was it good weed or was it dirt weed? You you ain't had no water. You ain't you ain't had no water in none of them. Nah. Well, he was packing. You know, I would just get the package. Right. I was getting the package and getting them. Okay, and getting them all. So so you so so you 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 never hit none of them. Then you don't know if there was water in there or not. That's one thing with me. I never really. I never even dealt with the product. Mm. I never dealt with the product because I seen what was going on around me. Mm -hmm. 
I had family members strung mm-hmm. out on drugs. So you're a smart man. You're one of those I was cats very smart. that don't have to learn from your mistakes because you're watching other people's mistakes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had fam- very close family members, alcoholics, strung out on crack, smoked out. So I always knew I didn't want. And the other thing is I got five sisters, four older than me, and none of them graduated from high school. So the thing growing up was like, yo, I got to make my mom proud. I right. got to graduate high school. Mm-hmm. No matter what I did, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. So I always, I went to school, but the crazy thing, people that know me, I went to school every single day when I was hugging the block. Sometime, 24 hours, I'd go to school. I never took books to school, mm. but I was able to just listen to the teaching. Then on Friday, you know, it was school. Test is on Friday. Thursday, I get to work. I study. Bust the test out on Friday. Rest of the week, I don't carry no books. It was amazing how I made Classic, it. Classic, smart, dumb nigga shit. <laughs> exactly. Now, 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 what you, so, so you selling Lucy's. And then you start selling crack. What's the difference? What do you see the difference? And, and, and it was just crazy when the crack hit. You know what was crazy what, what about year, it? And what year, around What year is this? Eighty five. Eighty five. When crack hit, it just like it tore, it splintered the name. The yes. baddest chicks in the block. The baddest bitches was like they just got strung out. Yeah. And they was doing whatever. Yeah. It was crazy. You would have people come up to you like, "Yo, let me hit your man." Let me hit your man for one of them things. And you'd be like, And these precious. are the same chicks like a couple of years ago. You couldn't even like, say hi to. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> like, Precious, what happened Did that to scare you? you, though, man? I was just getting that money. You right. know, you was in that money zone, so mm-hmm. it didn't matter. But I just had, I had the rule. I wanted so to no family or close friends. Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't mm-hmm. even an option to me because, remember, I had family members that was doing that. I, I got to tell you, I always appreciate um, the, the thug cat that still has a, a level of morals, a level of standard. To the shit. Were you not stupid ruthless? Were you not you're not gonna throw your, your family under the bus? I used to steal cars from Shea Stadium, mm-hmm. but if niggas had a baby seat in the shit, right. I wouldn't take that. Exactly. If niggas had a Keith sweat tape, I wouldn't take that. <laughs> if niggas had a steely dan tape, <laughs> that shit was gone. Take that shit was gone. <laughs> well, you gotta understand, I remember coming home one day with this big rope chain, 80 penny weight diamond. Went down, you went my name in diamonds, and my mother crying, saying, son, my son is going to get murdered. Mm. My sister was like, ooh, look at Booby. My family called me Booby. She said, ooh, look what he got. But you know what? My mother was crying, and I was like, mom, I'm good. I got you. Right. But you know what the crazy thing is? I was always hitting my mom's off. Here, you need three, four, five hundred, because she ain't have it. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. So she knew. Back then, they, it was impossible not to know. Yeah, right. I, I got right. 75 pairs of sneakers in you the room. You're 15 years old. How the <laughs> fuck you got that? Now, now, did you know at yeah. the time, did you, in your young mind, were you mm. following the trail? Were you like, where's this crack coming from? Nah. You weren't I asking was, any questions. I just was getting that. So what happened was, so now I'm on the north side. I was doing all that on the north side. Then my man I come up with without saying any names. You saw him in the picture. You know, we grew up. He yeah. from the north side, but yeah. ran the south. That was one of Supreme's top lieutenants. Of course. And um, you know, I, I'm reading the book Queens Reign Supreme, right. and he's all this this individual that you don't want to name is right. all in the book. He's so, all in. So it. he comes and he he says to you, and that's my man because okay. he from my side, right? And he knew what I was doing, right? So he knew I was smooth. Like, yo, you need to come over with me. So come over with him. Now, did you know about the Supreme team? Of course. Okay. You're crazy. They reigned supreme. Right. Everybody knew about them. You wouldn't even speak their name mm. for fear of retribution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't even say their name if mm. you wasn't winning. Right, right. Internets, this episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace recently launched their latest version of their platform, Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface 
integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and an incredible new feature called Cover Pagers. Try the new Squarespace at squarespace.com slash combat and enter offer code combat at the checkout to get 10% off services. Building a website used to take a long time. You had to set it up all by yourself manually and spend all day troubleshooting. If you ever had to edit the site, you know it was pretty easy to break links or even the whole site. The whole system would come crashing down. Sometimes even just changing the font color would be a headache. But now we have Squarespace to make building beautiful websites without a sweat. If you're new to Squarespace, check it out. If you've been hearing about Squarespace for a long time, well, now there's more with Squarespace 7. Start a trial today with no credit card down and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, go to squarespace.com combat to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for our podcast. That's promo code C-O-M-B-A-T, combat. Internet's number four on this countdown is Chuck D. Chuck D, yo. <laughs> Chuck D. Man, you know, if you've been tuned in this past year, you see how all the crazy shit that was going on on the internet and on radio, terrestrial radio and cats, you know, speaking to Chuck, even if they were joking in a, in a, in a very disrespectful manner. And it just opened up the doors once again for us to land such a great guest. So, so Internet's, without further ado, episode number four of the Chuck D episode. Hasn't it gotten to a point, man, where it's increasingly hard to speak your mind? Like, like this, it seems like the censorship game right now is crazy. You could type your mind. You, but, but even that, but you know, yeah. Like a lot of people was talking about, yo, Chuck is vexed, and they're they trying to get an emotional, you know, at, uh, emotional reading on me while I'm texting and typing. <laughs> I was in the middle of a tour in the U.K. when all this thing jumped off, and... and I was between ordering room service and going to the bathroom. I'm not, you know, we already rocking 10,000 people, so I'm back in the hotel room, not, can't sleep between 12 and 5. Right. I'm going to sit here and use my iPad. Right. Now, now, are you talking specifically about the whole thing that happened with, like, Hot 97? Yeah, and- because, you know, like, you know, Twitter, I was in a conversation with Daddy O Stetsasonic, the great Stetsasonic. Yes. And we said, you know, so some social media, and especially something like Twitter, Twitter, which is 140 characters, you know, is the perfect thing for MCs because they, they you deliver punchlines. You keep it under 140. Some people can only use 139 because they're a character in themselves. <laughs> you know, they limit them on that. But, right. you know, the 140 characters is perfect. It's like boom, boom, boom. And, and MCs that write well, you know, there's no better forum. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. You know, Instagram is when you ain't got no words. Right. Uh, ugh. Chit chisel, <laughs> look, caveman shit, uh, <laughs> you know all that. You. Yeah, that shit. But you know, you know, I use Twitter to get the point across and, and you know get up out of there. Yeah. Now, Chuck, I got to tell you, man, I, I'm really like for real, man. Like I've had some people come in this in this in this booth, and I've been really honored. Like you know, what I'm saying like like Big Daddy Kane was was in the building, and, and you know, up until that oh, point, God. you know, like Big Daddy Kane was one of my biggest. Rap heroes, you but you have Bumpy. We have let me tell Bumpy. you, Bumpy. Look, Bumpy Knuckles' interview was not an interview. It was a movie. It was a film. It was a film. You know, two and a half hours. It was an adventure or a ride, and everything was said right there. So you might be disappointed by my interview. Maybe Keith will help me out. Nah, nah, we not. We not. Because <laughs> my thing is like it was all said there. What we, is it for me to say? We're not gonna be disappointed. I want to know, like, what 
happened with this whole Hot 97 thing? Like, what came to your attention when you tweeted out what you tweeted out? About Man, that? this was something that was simmering a long time ago. Right. When we first, you know, uh, we did the Hot 97 Summer Jam 2009 or whatever, and the host of the show came out and said, these are the ends that, you know, born on the revolution, give it up for these ends. And we said, I started looking at Griff, Griff started looking at Pop, we started looking at each other. It's like, okay, this is the host. Number one, we got there, there was all kinds of like security, the National Guard was out mm-hmm. in the back of the stadium for the artists. I'm like, yo, this is like something else. And, right. um, you know, it was like one of those things where, yeah, we're doing our version of hip hop, but it was like a, a, a football game in the middle of a baseball game or vice versa. It was like two different worlds. And you're looking at 50,000 people, largely not, not black, white or whatever, and they're out there, and you know, and the N-word is being spit. You can see, understand the artists and their music or whatever. If they ain't got no other better presentation to bring it across, and that's all they know because they ain't taught by nobody. But when the hosts start doing it, it's a problem. So this is five years later. It just got worse. Right. And if you see, like, the artists and the hosts, and it's 50,000 people. And, you know, and, and, and you see in 60% white people, and they're also, you know, yelling the N-word. You know, quite, quite frankly, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things that, I'm gonna say it was sloppy. Now I don't know what I don't know what sparked them off on what I didn't say it was whack. I people talk that good. They ain't going in. Going in is something, yo know, I man. You don't want to hear me talk going in. I just said, hmm, sloppy fiasco. And I it, put a picture of my face, my face, and I said sloppy fiasco. So I don't know if it was the sloppy. Now we that living in these metro times, <laughs> you call somebody sloppy, they all they told they, they vertebrae start collapsing, <laughs> or was it fiasco mixed? Maybe that they thought I was talking about Lupe fiasco or something. No, I'm talking about you. Right. It's sloppy, and these dudes start to defend it. Right. I'm like, yo, man, it's really indefensible. It's nothing that you can say. So, I you know I was like, you know, I'm over in the UK getting feedback from family that goes, feedback from cats that you know checked it out. And then, then, of course, everybody tried to blame, like, oh, yeah, it was because, you know, what happened to 50? I'm like, no, you bring him on, you get what you brought on. You bringing that to the table, that's what that is. Right. But when these other artists try to actually try to out 50-50, it's like, dude, you know, you make nice auto-tune songs. Do that. Be the nice person. Like, whether it's Drake or whatever, it's like everybody doesn't have to be that cat that everybody says, yo, you know, like, we hard up in the corner. It's like, really, give everybody a lane. You bought, and don't blame it all on him. This is what you brought to the table. Right. And these guys try to defend that. I said, it's indefensible. I mean, you can't come up with enough, um, enough with you to kind of come up and defend that. Right. We, I'm, not, I'm not really that cat. So they was like inviting me to the radio station to come debate about it. It's like, yo, man, really, seriously? It's under, there's no debate. I put it in text. What do you mean? There's nothing stronger than when you put it in text. It's the word right there. Read it. You already know how I sound. You know how I look like. And then you could Google if you don't know. Then you'll know. All right. I put it in text. It is what it is. Nothing to talk about. Right. So then I heard that you know, uh, you know, Rosenberg and Ebro. I, you know, I met Rosenberg like one time. You know, nice little kid. You know, like hey, everything's all at the art of rap. Okay. Ice tea. Fine. Nice young man. Whatever. And Ebro, I heard about Ebro. I mean, I don't know, you know, I didn't know anything about him. You know, people started, oh, you know, Ebro did. I'm like, Ebro, okay, where's he come from? Nobody ever seems to know. It's like <laughs> these these guys like come from somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, that happens. But um, my statement when they started to defend that, I'm like, dude, all I said was a sloppy fiasco. Right. Now that's the tip of an iceberg. You don't want the rest of the iceberg. 
And the rest of the iceberg, I'm not even going to talk. I'm just going to keep texting. I'm on tour. I'm stuck out here for like another week. And I could type all day. I'm on tour bus. Oh, we got a five-hour trip. Oh. <laughs> and people probably on the other side think it's insane because, yo, Chuck, man, do he have a life? He's mad. Yo, I'm doing a five-hour trip. You collecting checks. Collecting checks? Yeah, you working. You 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 doing the tour. You collecting checks. And no, in no, between, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, no, I'm accumulating bills. Accumulating bills. Okay. <laughs> And checks are to balance that off. Okay. <laughs> okay. Trust I like me. it. You know, it, the diff- this is the difference between having a business and a job. Yes. I, it's not, you know, people are used to seeing all this stuff on sports where people pay the salary or whatever. Uh, you know, no, man. We, it's expenses versus, right, Keith? Yeah. This is expenses versus whatever you can do. So right. that, that, let's clarify that. Okay. People are always quick to count checks. Like, do you count the bill? <laughs> but the, the point I'm saying is that I had ample time. To go from one place to another. If I'm awake, you know, what am I doing? I'm sitting on the bus. So I'm going to text. And, you know, if it takes a million texts to come out of me, it's going to be based on something. It's going to have an opinion. I ain't going to tweet food. I ain't on no other social network. I ain't trying to make friends. This is what I saw. I love hip-hop. I come from New York. And I hear a lot of people in hip-hop screaming about it. They in New York. And you know who the people are. Or better yet, if you don't know who the people are, Shouldn't you know who's in your community just like any other predator? Right. So if this is the problem that you have Damn. in New York and this radio station is in your neighborhood, in your air, they know they're in your homes, but you don't know who they are and you're not in their homes, then you need to address yourself as a community person to figure out how you neutralize it or you at least demand how you occupy the free air. We had a conversation off air. and you know, Off this air? Off this air. Okay. <laughs> and, and you said something that, that, that really put things in perspective because, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like maybe that crowd, you can't control that crowd or you can't control that artist. But you talked about how you travel and, and, and you do Man. other shows and there's conditions that the establishment makes you sign before you perform. Like, you can't say certain things. This is how you have to carry yourself. That's why you call it negligence. Mm. on what Hot 97 has said. Well, they, we can't tell the artists what to do. Same thing that crap you hear from these record companies. We can't tell the You make them sign a contract, you ain't doing no handshake deals. You Every single artist that, that's out there signs a damn Sign, contract. Yes. If they was doing, if it was all good and everything was all gravy, then you're doing it. handshake deals. You ain't doing that. So you're making them sign a contract. Don't hear about what you can't make them do. Public Enemy headline, New Orleans Jazz Fest this year, Right? Congo Square, the birthplace of music, right? It's the New Orleans Jazz Fest. They'll be quick to tell you that. Jazz Fest. Yes, we will have Public Enemy represent hip-hop in the New Orleans Jazz Fest. Hopefully, it will be a line of artists that will headline. You can play it, but can you headline and close it out? So we was invited to do so. In their clauses, it's like, well, could you understand that this is the New Orleans Jazz Fest? We kind of like don't want no cursing, but you know, this is what it's going to be. As artists in a situation, you comply to their situation. You play in their show. Right. So they have the authority to be able to say, this is what we want, and this is what we want from you. And then, you know, you know this is hip-hop. When you're doing it, fine, but you're in New Orleans. This is jazz. You take your ass back to Louis Armstrong Airport and take your ass and distribute yourself back across the United States where you come from. End of story. So when Hot 97 says, well, we can't manage the show, like I don't know what a festival is. We've been part of 3,000 festivals, mm. 28 years. 
which is a miracle for black people just being together. Families. Yes. yes. We've been 28 years as a group. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, they don't toss that thing. I don't know a lot of people. Internets, this is your boy Combat Jack. Number three on our countdown for this episode is who kid? Yo, talk about hilarity. Talk about hijinks. Talk about fuckery. Talk about ratchet. Talk about history. I mean, this guy goes from fucking 50 Cent to Michael Jackson. Listen, you know, I, I didn't know how the episode was going to turn out, but this, this is one of our top episodes of 2014. Pure hilarity. You don't know what's coming out of who kid's mouth. That kid is so talented, and that kid's got stories to spell. Listen, Internet's episode number three, the who kid episode. And then you got a, you got a Michael Jackson story, man. Yeah, I got like man, I got thousands of fucking stories, man. All What's your Ma- Michael Jackson story? You met him in Bahrain, right? Yeah, I met him in Bahrain. Bahrain, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, but the thing that's I'm not cra- as traveled as you, man. <laughs> I mean, the shit that's crazy. I lost my passport in Dubai in Dubai airport, and then you know, but I got on the plane to Bahrain. So when I landed, uh, they let you on the plane. Yeah, because, you know, it's just like here. Like, right. once you're in the airport, right. you just show your ticket, you get yeah. on. Yeah. But I'm, like, looking at my, my pants with my passport, and I'm like, oh, shit. So I told the prince. The prince came to meet me in the airport. He's like, fucking I, prince, Pete. I told a nigga, yo, I told a nigga, yo, I think I lost my passport. And then he's like, oh, shit. So he goes out. I see him, like, under the plane, like, looking under the wheel. I'm like, motherfucker, like, I didn't drive it outside <laughs> in the fucking runway. But he's, like, under the plane. like The prince. In the the plane. fucking prince. Yeah, he goes in the plane. Because I think his cousin's parents own the airport. So, Fuck. So, <laughs> yo, the shit that's crazy is I was like, damn, man, I don't think I can get in because the, the customs guy told me I can't come in. I don't have and no this is a fucking prince. Yeah, so the prince was like, I'll call my, I'll call my um, uncle right now. He owns the airport. So all of a sudden, this <laughs> phone rings. And meanwhile, this is one in the morning in Bahrain. You know, the hours are crazy there. So then the phone rings, and all of a sudden, everybody just stands up, and then just they did their military whatever stance, and then, the person's like, yo, just just walk, just go through. I was like, what do you mean go through? Just, this just ni- go. These niggas saluting you. And just, the... He said, just go through, man. Right. Don't worry about it. I was Stop like, hesitating, nigga. all I have is a, a Bally's Jacqueline ID, V. That's <laughs> all I had in the fucking Arab country where I could have killed somebody. Right. So the the, 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 the the sheik was like, yo, the sheik was like, yo, I'm going to vouch for you and sign for you, but just just go through. So right. I go through. It's like Ferraris, all kind of shit waiting for me outside. So the prince is like, oh, damn, like speeding everywhere. So I DJed the Formula One racing shit, but then the the Shaq was speeding up my red tape to get a new passport to get the fuck out of there. If right. I was a regular dickhead, I would have to wait like two weeks or two right. and a half weeks, but he got it to like four or five days. Okay. So I DJed the Formula One, and then my stay at whatever hotel they had me at, it was up. So he was like, yo, you can stay at my palace. I was like, what? You're in the fucking palace now. This guy, the palace, what is the so, palace like, my yo, nigga? Yo, it's like. Fucking gold everywhere, Indian slaves. I don't know what's going on, man. There's but some slaves. You seeing some real I don't slaves, know, I don't my know nigga? What anybody say, but there's slaves out there. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I'm not disrespecting them, but cheap labor to me is slave. Yeah, but I, I, free labor is slaves. Yeah, cheap labor yeah. is slaves. But at the end of the day, um, I guess you, know, you, you it, getting the slave Indians pussy too, man? From, are, are you getting? Slave? I've been to India before. Are you getting slave pussy? Nah, I ain't got no slave pussy. I got some Arab pussy, motherfucker. Like, Arab pussy was crazy. So he was like, yo, if you want anything, I got like vaginas here. The food is over there. Vaginas in this yeah. in this fridge. This whole section is like women. Like you can do whatever you want. Fuck. So I'm just like, all right, if you want to go to the mall, my cousin will take you, pick any car or whatever. So he was like, go go to the pool. Um, All the food is over there. So I go to the pool because I wanted to get like some drinks or whatever. 
And I see Michael Jackson in the pool with white shorts. He had like a white tee, and then he had like something blocking the sun. And I was like, is that Michael Jackson? Just casually. He was like, hey, what up? I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, and then the prince is so rich, like he don't even the shake don't even tell me that Michael Jackson is there. Because it's just some casual shit. He's he he signed them to his label, so he bought him like a palace next door. And then he, you know, he took him away from all the molestation trial, right. paid the lawyers off. So and then he made him a citizen of Bahrain. Wow. So he don't go back to America to get retried again. Right, right. So I'm like, yo, what the fuck? So in my head, you know, my head is spinning. Like, you know, I'm like a groupie bitch. Like, you know, like like a like a bitch from Harlem seeing fucking <laughs> Ti or right. something in the club. So I'm just like trying to hold my composure. And then and I gave him a pound, and he's like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So when I gave him a pound, his hand felt like asbestos or something. It was, it's like crunchy kind of like his skin was like peeling or something. Uh, Sandpaper. Like, it was like. I was right. like, yo, yo some. Cr- but but I, the first thing I told him was like, yo, man, your legs are light. You got light. You got like, you got some light skin legs. He started laughing. <laughs> I was like, because you know he was blacker than me. Right. Why are your legs light skin? Right. I thought maybe his disease was like in his hands and his face, but the fact that his legs was light skin and he had tight ass shorts. Fuck all the shits you see Wiz Khalifa and all them wearing. This motherfucker was like. Tattooed shorts. So I was like, yo, man, this is crazy. So I tried to give him his space. And then, uh, you know. The but you're the only other black dude. I'm the only other black dude at the moment. Right. So I I, I have my phone. So, I, you know, I, I text, uh, uh, what's his name, Tyson Beckford, you know, Polo, whatever, another black nigga. Yeah. He's chilling out there. He was going to wait with me as long as he could because I was stuck there. Right. So I called, I was like, yo, man, you're not going to believe this. I got Mike, I got fucking Michael Jackson over here, nigga. He was like, get the fuck out of here. This is before Instagram, yeah, right? this is before ah! so he, We didn't even think about it, right? So he, so Tyson Burford, I don't know how, he got a $200 cab ride to the palace. I don't know how he got there. This motherfucker came in and then meanwhile, I'm talking to him. Just we're just talking about like Eminem and. Do, does he know who you are now? You, you tell him who you are, like. Nah, he didn't know who I was at that time. I right. told him I was Fifty Cent's DJ, okay, because that's the only way I could get any kind of connection. And, and then, he knew who Fifty was. Yeah, but he knew who Fifty was. He knew who uh, uh, Eminem was, right? Because you know Eminem had that video where he was stepping on his nose and all that. So yeah, I didn't yeah. really want to talk about Eminem right. too tough. And then I had a tape that I did with Eminem at that time. So I gave him. That's how he asked about Eminem because when I gave him the tape, oh, this is my new. CD, that's how you want to check it out. And then it's, I was like, oh, shit. And then it's the Eminem host. I was like, damn, ah, man, this motherfucker going to go crazy. Right. But he was like, nah, is everything cool with Eminem? I heard he retired. He's retiring. I was like, what? Because it was kind of, he's in a fucking Saudi desert, man. And what the fuck is he asking shit. about right. fucking Eminem retiring? So I was like, nah, I don't think he's going to retire. I think he's just, you know, promotional bullshit or whatever. Right. So I was like, yo, but I got somebody I want, I want you to talk to. So I knew 50 was doing his movie in Morocco, that army movie. He was out there. Yeah. So I put, I called 50. Uh, on set, and then I think the, his cousin connected me with Fifth. I said, yo, Fifth, I got your, your long-lost brother here. You know, is, is this Curtis Jackson? I was like, yeah, I got your and then, and then I put him with Mike, and Fifth was like, what? Yo, this nigga talking. 50 was standing out? So 50's talking to Mike for like a good 10 minutes or whatever, so then Mike gave me back the phone, and then Fifth was like, fuck you, nigga. And he <laughs> cursed me out. Because he never met Mike. I, right. He didn't like the oh, fact that I was the you one met him first. first and, then I, and then I put them together. Right. And then he was like, fuck you, nigga. Fuck out of here. He hung up on me. Right. Right? So then I was But he was like, joking, though. He was joking, yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe don't, he wasn't. You never know with him. Yeah, right? maybe he probably wasn't. I don't right. know. But he was pissed, though. But the, the thing is, uh, after, uh, like, another hour, so Tyson Bradford comes. So Tyson is like, yo, man, before I even introduce myself or whatever, we got a battle right now. Smooth criminal. So Tyson Bradford <laughs> is doing, you know, the bending and all that. Yeah. So he trying to get 
Mike, the, the Mike was like, yo, that's video. That's like some video effects, man. I can't <laughs> bend my body like that. You got to do it, man. I ain't leaving here until you do it. Yo. So you and Tyson standing yo, over. Tyson Pepper is breakdancing. I got photos of him on, like in the sand, like on his back. Like, right. Like doing backspins. <laughs> he's battling Michael Jackson. Then, then all of a sudden. So Michael's also dancing. Michael didn't do anything. He was laughing. <laughs> he was laughing. <laughs> like laughing and shit. And he's like pop locking. He said, I have to do it because. All my life, I wanted to battle you. Right. I don't give a fuck if you don't want to do it or not, but I'm going to do I'll, it. I'll battle you even if you don't battle. Yo, right. you can, yo, if you ever meet me, Tyson Bedford, he'll tell you this shit from beginning to the T, like, perfectly. Like, the thing that's crazy, the Shaq came out, and he saw us, like, while not with Mike, and he's like, yo, it's time for dinner. So all of a sudden, this bell or whatever, this alarm, boom, and then the wall opened and all this weird shit. What the fuck is going on? Yo, so Mike was like, yeah, I think I'm, you know, the, you know I'm, 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 I'm going to come right back. I'm going to chill. So the Shaq is like, yeah, he don't really hang that long. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he'll, he'll probably hang out 20, 10 minutes, but he don't really like talking to people, blah, blah, blah. Right. But the, the Shaq was like, maybe he thought you were cool or whatever. Oh. Then uh, we started eating. All this food came out of nowhere. And all Banquet. This lamb Ban- and all this shit. Like, Banquet. People were like, and then all of a sudden uh, Mike comes back now. Now he's Michael Jackson, man. The motherfucker had the, the suit, the sparkles. I was like, oh. yo, what are you, a superhero? He went down the fucking pole or something, man. Yo, the Sheik was like, yo, he must really like it. He came back and he got dressed up. Like, he had, yo, he was it's probably because he, was, he wasn't in touch with Americans. Yeah, he, I, he was kind of like in a, in, a, in, a, in a weird sense in exile. Exactly. And here you are now. And everybody talks to him like a little kid. The Sheik, yo, Mike, anything. Right. Like, and I was like, what up, yo, what up, homie? Like, I didn't say what up, nigga, but, right. you know, but I was talking to him like as if, you know, like brother a to brother. Right, exactly. and, he, and, and, and then the fact that I got him the curse was kind of weird, too. What, what did he say? Because Tyson Beffer and me and Tyson, we were chilling, and then I was like, yo, I heard they're about to take your, you know, your Neverland shit. They're about to confiscate it, the animals. Like, you know what I mean? Fuck that place, man. <laughs> I was like, what? Yo, Mike. Oh, fuck that. I was like, what? <laughs> yo, I didn't know what to do. I was like, yo, this motherfucker just cursed in front of us. And then, uh. Priceless, me. This, this, it gets even more priceless because he didn't want to leave. He wanted to take photos and shit. So my stupid homeboy, he got the camera, right? But he got the camera where you could film this shit. This motherfucker taking, you know how you got that one second and it moves? Yeah. And then, then it takes the photo. I was like, motherfucker, why you didn't just press record and film the whole fucking event? Yeah, like, exactly. You dumb fuck. So he just got mad photos of us. And all of a sudden, like, another 20 minutes later, the Shaq is like, yeah, um, what's his name is coming over? Um, we signed to um, Kanye West. What's his name? Kid Cudi? Nah, the, the the R&B singer, the one that everybody... Oh, John Legend. So John Legend's coming to do a hook. Yo, what the fuck is going on Yo, here? this shit is crazy. John Legend just landed. This shit is like a black Disney movie, man. <laughs> John Legend is on his way. I was like, what? That's my nigga. So John Legend, this, this, is how, this is how small the fucking world is. John Legend comes in there, and then all of a sudden, uh, he's like a good 10 minutes in, and then now it's time for us to sit at the, the, the banquet for the shack. The shack is like, there's, there's, a, there's Mike, the Shaq, his wife, but there's a seat that's open, but nobody dares sit there because, you know, you have to be, like, important. I sat with Tyson right. and all of them in the other circle table with the lamb and all that. So Mike is like, okay, come over here, come sit over here. <laughs> so Shaq is like, what? So John Legend is pissed off because he was at the same table, but John Legend wanted to sit near Mike. So now you got beef with, with John, so John Legend? John Legend's like, mm, like fuck, you know, I will it, fuck you up, you know, nigga. John, John, John Legend got his lip. Twisting and all that, uh, so, so we're, we're like still making jokes and shit. And I'm like, yo, this lamb ass is crazy, and Mike's like, ha ha, this is crazy, and all of a sudden, right? So. Internets, we're winding down on our countdown top ten Combat Jack Show episodes for 2014. This one should be number one. 
It really should be number one because of how hot it was and the fire that it brought. This is the number two, the Damon Dash episode. And when Damon Dash came on the show, man, he was focused, man. He had a lot of things to get off his chest. He, you know, he was firing back at Funk, Funk Master Flex. I think this is the first time ever like in, in, in radio history where you had a back and forth going on between a radio station and a podcast. Um, it should be number one, but the, the next episode is very near and dear to my heart. But you already know, man, like like Damon Dash, whenever he comes into our booth, is left in flames. Internet's episode number two for the countdown of the year, the Damon Dash episode. Flex was basically saying that, and I didn't under- necessarily understand his logic. He was saying basically what you're saying, that you were crazy for going at CEOs. But again, he said you were crazy for going at CEOs. Listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. This is a man that's had a job for 25 years. Of right. course I'm crazy to him. Those, he's used to having a, so a man tell him what to do. Like Ebro has, he has, Ebro is his boss. I know he, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's not Ebro's company. None right. of them own that. Right. So again, I'm not disrespecting him. It is what it is. It's a different mentality. He's had a, yo dog, he's 46 years old and he's had to go to the same exact DJ time slot for 25 straight years. Now, you would think that he would mold somebody and maybe give someone an opportunity to have that Because he's got businesses. He's doing well question. for himself. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you're 46 years old, right, and the demographic of the radio station is 15 to 25, does that make sense for a 46-year-old? What, what relatable experience is a 46-year-old going to have with a 15-year-old? Unless they, they're selling that brand. Why don't you? Well, like, how, like Coca-Cola. Why, how like, about this? Yeah. Again, it's a different mentality. Okay. Why would you want to be talking to 15 and 25 years old? Like, why wouldn't you want to go do something? Go buy a radio station. I would say, I mean, I can't speak. But why, for- why, why not empower someone else? Right. Well, let me ask you a question. Why not empower someone else? Why hasn't Flex let someone else get that slot? Because the only reason why, if he's 46 with his own businesses, is because he just don't want nobody to have it. Mm. It's logic. It's math. Mm. Why? I'm sure everyone under him is like, when are you, you going to get... You don't, you don't think he, under, uh, he, enjoy, wait, he's 40, think he enjoys that, though? How could you be 46? That's To that's be on not, the airwaves. He's 46, though. For 20, to be able... Yo, his next decade is 50. But to be able to be on the radio okay, every day. Again, I'm, to have a platform. I'm 43. Yes. His platform should be uh, KISS FM or WBLS. BLS. I can understand that. very strong station. But why would you want to be 46 and still be hanging out with 15 and 25-year-olds? Why would you want to be the old man in the club for a living? Why? Is because of the security of a job? And also, don't get off this question. Why not empower another DJ? To have that slot. Like, what, isn't he molding somebody? If, who's who is Flex? Been, he's been on the, 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 uh, as a DJ 25 years. Who is he put in position to be as big as him or bigger? Cypher? Is, is he bigger than him? Cypher? Oh, it's jokes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you got to ask. I'm just asking you. See, I, I, don't, I don't know what's so his wh- business. Why do you think that then? I mean, I, I don't. I'm asking I, you a question. I don't know. I, I, I literally lawyer, don't know. Your mind can work. I'm saying. Do the math right now. What I, does the math add up to you? Why would a 46-year-old with other businesses want to be around 15 to 25-year-olds and not ever in life put another DJ in a position to be as big as him? Maybe because like, like, he's, he's in love with that spot. Like maybe he's in love with that spot. That's the logic you came up with? I'm just saying, maybe. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why would a 46-year-old be in love with a spot where 15 and 25-year-olds are? Because he gets to play music and he gets to why play Why can't music. he play music at BLS? Maybe he doesn't want to go to BLS. I mean, I'm he, asking why. He, he, I mean, 
and I don't want to speak for him. You being politically correct, but combat I, I, I don't no want to. I don't want to speak from. But when you oh, think the combat Jack shows, just I go to combat, what, but you don't. When you think about, uh, come it, on, though, man, you a lawyer. That's the only. You know why I gave you the interview because you my man. But listen, I'm gonna keep it indie. But listen though, but because you're a lawyer. Yes, so you're so, smart. So, 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 so you can't act like so you don't I, know. I can I can give you like pretending a, like lawyers do. But I'm saying pretend you know like a lawyer. Burr. Flex is, it, is when you look at Hot 97. I'm not looking at it. I'm listening of, to a it. A lot of people oh, it's on TV. say that that's one of the stations. That's that like Flex has built that station. Yo, get a direct a answer. You, you try as to a talent. You know, you know, you know my tactics. It's coming for you. Don't come for me, B. Don't come for you. Don't come for me, B. I'm not coming for you, right. but your name's Combat Jack. Yeah. So I want either you to combat me or combat somebody else, just like I am. Maybe he doesn't want to see nobody else shine. Oh, I'm saying maybe that's logic to you. I mean, that's that's another alternative. You said that is now. Now, also, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why is he so mad? All I did was ask him to have a conversation. I can never judge a man for an opinion. What's, what's your relationship with Flex? I mean, cool. y- y- y'all go yo, back. I taught him how to hustle. When he right. came through, he even said, he was like, dog, like, yo, this is the way you got to do it. Empower yourself. Use them to, 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 to sell other things. I, I, didn't, I wasn't selfish about it. So I don't understand why he would defend somebody that's against that. that like, 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 why Joey, would, why would why, he let have me ask your question? Yeah. Ask Joey this. Yeah. I want you to ask him these questions. Maybe he could email it in and somebody could answer it. Hey, yo, for Joey, him. can you email us the answers? Why would he advise currency to do a 360 deal if currency is already making money on the road without him? Well, from what I understand, why? from what I, I, from that's what that's I understand, I no, 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 I didn't ask you to answer it. His I, people said, see, listen, I don't want, that's not what men do. Currency's people listen, said he's listen, not signed listen, to a 360. Listen, that's a lie. I got his contract. Listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. I'm, I, I went to court with him. Don't let's not do that. I got the deposition, dog. It's on tape. Yo, listen to me. Listen. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, ask Joey why he would offer currency a 360 deal, knowing that he's already making money on the road and already making money from merch. All these things were happening, and I never offered currency a 360 deal, ever. He always had a 50-50 Because they said that they said that you were offering him a 360 no, deal. No, I don't. That's what they said. That's what when I asked him, I was like, "Yo, dog, why you got a 360 deal?" His manager was like, "Cause that's what you offered him." So we took the. I was like, "I didn't offer him a 360 deal." He knows that. Come on, I didn't even talk to y'all. Y'all wasn't even. I didn't. You weren't involved. You know what I'm saying? So again, I, again, I don't. I love currency, B. You ain't gonna never make me not stop loving. Pause. Another black dude like from the culture because somebody else put a battery or whatever. I don't do that. It ain't yep. gonna be no. If I see currency, it's hugs, it's kicks. I'm gonna smoke with him. We gonna laugh, you know. And that's that. I want my chain back in my car. Wish he send it back. But that's it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we good. And let's figure it out. Count the money. Break bread. Let's get money. Like, fuck all these dudes. Fuck Joey. Pause. Fuck want all of them. Let's let, fuck everybody. Let's stick together publicly. Let's never let anybody see us fight. Don't let them manipulate press so they can benefit. Let's stick together. So hold up. So you go back with flex. I right? know Flex. We never hung out. But but you go back with Flex. Nah, because he, he wears purple, purple. Nah, I ain't going to do that. Guy. <laughs> yeah. My man was like, you should eat this nigga up. He ain't even built for that. So what I'm saying is you didn't answer my question, right? Yeah. Your- if he's able to speak, why can't somebody ask for a conversation? You you reached out to him, right? On the, on the um, what you call it? He reached out. He spoke to me on the radio, so I spoke to him publicly. I gave him the respect he gave me. I wouldn't wear a purple. I wouldn't wear. He. What I was gonna say is he. He wears a purple baseball. Yankee. He'll wear a purple, a purple Yankee. Like I wouldn't wear a purple Yankee because the Yankees don't wear a purple Yankee, so it's not authentic. So I'd see this thing with a lime green Yankee. I'd be like, where's the lime green Yankee uniform? Man? So, 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 why, that's a Harlem thing. So, but, but, why do you think he doesn't want to speak to you, man? Like, like I think he's scared. He sounded scared, scared about to me. what though? Man? Scared that I'm gonna ask the questions that I'm saying now, but in his face, and he'd have to answer. Them. Like, why are you 46? Why won't you give someone else a chance? What do you think about him saying? 
basically what he said today was he doesn't have to talk to you because you're not relevant. Like, what do you think about that? I mean, I think personally that's some sucker shit. All right, so there I it mean, because I, I mean, so I, I would have always have, well, listen, I will always have a platform listen, to speak listen, to somebody. Listen, listen, listen. I don't have a beef for Flex. He's a DJ. Right. I don't expect him to be able to intellectually match my weight on any level. Right. He does. He never had that. Now would heat this nigga up. <laughs> you know, again, they put a battery in his back. He had papers. He said, "I have notes." You know what I'm saying? Like he was on the internet. Like it was crazy. Like I don't have notes. Like, you know what, <laughs> what is that? It was a battery put in his back. Like I said, they don't have J money no more. They got Flex money. For now on, the new broke is flex money, by the way. If you have flex money, that's not good money. What do you think about him telling you that there's no reason nigga, for you got flex money, nigga? No, I don't, definitely don't have no flex money. <laughs> All right, cool. But I'm saying, what do you think about him saying that's he doesn't need to speak that. to you because you're not in the music business Come anymore? Because you're, you're in the slipper business. And what is this about slippers, man? I don't know what he's talking about. What, what, what are you talking about? I, I, I understand saw, the art. and I, understand I had no the, idea. Yo, honestly, I, the whole time, I really didn't know what he was talking about. He was just spazzing. You, he sounded you, uncomfortable. He was like he was bugging. Damon, you don't have a slipper company? Uh, probably do that I don't know about But I, <laughs> at some point I'm going to make some fl- I don't know what he's talking about Slippers I have a lot of companies So said arts and clothes Yeah I, I didn't like how he tried to discredit art Like Andy Wall like I have Yeah I have galleries around the world What's, that's, that's bad I'm supposed to be on the radio at 6 o'clock every day Being paid by somebody I don't know It makes me relevant because I have a job Internets And now Number one The number one episode At least it's my personal 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 favorite episode The Combat Jacks of 2014 And if you haven't heard it I strongly advise you do it, man, because it's so inspirational. You know, I've been trying to interview D-Nice for about two years, and, and, and the stars aligned, and he finally decided to come when he had to tell us everything. I'm talking about, you know, this is, this is really the first time he spoke in depth about the, the, the unfortunate passing of his mentor, Scott LaRock, and in his days as BDP and, you know, with KRS and his solo artists, and then when his career crashed and he hit rock bottom, and Homeboy was homeless. And then he picked up the camera and became a celebrity photographer and a DJ, you know, DJing for, for the inaugural ball for President Obama. And it's shit like, it's so crazy, man. It just shows you, man, like you can never, ever, no matter how bad it gets, you can never, ever give up. Number one on our countdown for the top 10 Combat Jack Show episodes of 2014, the D-Nice episode. I remember when I got the call mm-hmm. about Scott LaRock. And that shit, didn't make sense because our rap acts, our rappers, our DJs, nobody died then. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like when you really think about it, because in my mind, mm-hmm. when I go through the whole history of hip hop, to me, the first important cat that died in rap was Scott. Was Scott LaRock. So you want the story? Yeah. So we're going to take it back a year before the incident. So a year, I grew up Woody Crest Avenue. Um, this young lady that I, you know, that, you know, that I dated, uh, when I was a kid, she had a, the young lady was uh, my first girlfriend. Right. It's a girl you lost your virginity to. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Her friend, and you know, that's always a no-no. You don't really rock with someone's friend like right. that. So it was always just love. Her friend, uh, you know, I don't want to say her name, you know, um, you know, she, uh, we were all cool. We didn't have cell phones or anything like that at the time. And, um, you know, Scott. This is a very important day. Scott had this newspaper and he was looking through the back of it and came across a company called uh, Rock Candy Records. Mm. So while Scott was at the payphone calling Rock Candy Records, I had nothing to do. So I got on the next the next phone while he was calling them to set up a meeting and I called the girl Kim. She was the only one in the crew that actually had a phone at home. So I'm just calling her and just talking to her. And while I'm talking to her, 
some dude just grabbed the phone from him and was like, yo, I know you're trying to kick it to my girl. Yo, when I see you, I'm going to kill you. And it uh. was like literally just like that. And uh. like, nah, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. It's my friend, yada, yada. You know, I probably said some slick, something slick. Yeah, back. because in your mind, it's like, yo, first of all, who the fuck are you? Exactly. Why are you? I, I'm talking to my friend. And that's really what it was. Right. It was no, never flirted with right. her. Never tried. It was a platonic relationship. It. it was a, no it was doubt, a, it was, and and it wasn't even a strong relationship. Right. It was just like she was the only person I knew that had a phone, and I was just trying to call. And that he he knew who you were. We didn't have records out there, right? You so he didn't saying? know who you were. No. Okay. He didn't know. You know, he didn't know until the records were out, which was a year and change later. Now the records are out. Okay. So now, now she, he's uh, now she probably was like, oh yeah, that's my friend. That's the guy who. You know, and probably pissed him off even more. Right. And um, I used to hang out with this dude. He was like a young, young hustler cat named Uptown. I don't, I don't even know his real name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uptown, what up? You know, and he was a young dude. And, um, you know, he was like my age, but he had dudes working for him. You know, and he was like 15. He's a general, young Absolutely. general. Right. Mm -hmm. And came over to the crib it's early in the morning. This was, like I said, a year and a half later. We have records out now. And criminal minded is out and all that and you know now i'm known in the hood right and dude came over you know we were hanging out early in the morning we were walking up to the i lived on woody crest 163rd now we're walking past the projects hybrid high bridge projects and you know a group of dudes started talking to him still even to this day i kind of feel like he may have set me up a little bit mm. you know like i'm not I was a little naive back right. then, but, like, now, looking back, you know. Um, it was just too coincidental. Yeah, yeah, because he started talking to them, and all of a sudden he was gone. And I'm standing there, and I'm surrounded by, like, five people, four dudes and the chick. And the dudes, and I literally. Which chick? It was just some girl. Some chick, okay. Some chick that was with him. Right. Uh, it wasn't the same girl. Right. You know, it was, you know, just the, whoever their homegirl was. And, you know, I never had beef with anybody. You so know? you didn't even sense? No danger no because i didn't know what right. danger felt like right you know like i didn't know what i was the kid who was yeah dabble hustling and all of that but i'd never been around danger right so it didn't even register hit me. yeah you know what i'm saying like it didn't hit me that yo i'm surrounded by cats right now you know what i'm saying like i wasn't street savvy like that and um and the one dude rolled up and he was you know while they're all standing out there and he was just like yo you don't know me but i know you you know, you had some smart shit to say last year. I didn't even know who this dude was. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, now they're getting closer, pulled the guns out. You know, it's like, yo, I should kill you right now. I should kill you. And slapped me with the pistol. Mm. And then they ran off. You know, and the first person that I knew to call was Scott. And Scott, what he said to me was, Yo, we are, I, I called him, you know, I was I was young, you know what I'm saying? What 16. are you saying to him? Are you upset? I was, in, I was upset and in tears. Like, right. yo, you know, come on, dude. Somebody just pulled a pistol out, 16 years old, yeah. and just slapped me with a gun trying to kill me, like, you know what I'm saying? And just ran off. Right. Like, now I'm standing literally in front of the school on near Ogden Avenue by myself with blood coming down my face. The only person I knew to call was Scott. Right. You know, and I called him up and he said, yo, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to come over there and we're going to find him and we're going to squash the beef. Right. You know, we don't, we don't really need that. 
Because he's know, so past this right now. And, and also, he was a social worker. Right. His job was to end beef, right. you know, help solve issues, you know. So even he wasn't thinking. The album may have been called Criminal Minded, that, but that was more of KRS rapping. Right. That wasn't where Scott was, you know what I mean? Like, Scott was a businessman, period. He was doing meetings with Lior, meetings with Benny Medina back then, right. you know? So he wasn't on some street shit. Yeah, the fucking hottest record on the planet. Yeah. Beef. We didn't need beef, right. you know? Like What's beef at the time, you know what I'm saying? When looking back at it now, you have five dudes, Scott, um, Daryl, who was the original guy we called RoboCop, right. Manager Mo, Mick Boo, and myself in a Jeep rolling around the Bronx looking to squash beef. You look at it from someone else's perspective. From a simple-minded motherfucker. It looks like we're looking to right. start beef. Right. And that wasn't even the case, you know. I mean, looking back, you know, as an adult, like, it, you know, what were we thinking? You know right. what I mean? Like that, that wasn't a good look. Right. Um, um, but I remember being out there and, um, and it was really a mission of like on some peaceful shit and it became violent because of one person and it became violent because of Daryl, who was our security guy. He was a hotheaded dude, but he was, you know, he was kind of like the only security we had. And while we were standing by the Jeep, um, Daryl was, in front of the projects, Highbridge projects, asking um, someone if they had seen this group. Mm. And the kid must have said something smart to him, you know. And all we saw was Daryl lift this kid up in the air. And Daryl was probably like 6'5". Lift him up in the air and just slammed him. Damn. And, um, you know, and that was that. You know, and we were just still standing out there like, yo, by the time he came over, like, yo, what happened? You know. Somebody was in the bushes, somebody had ran to the roof, and they just start shooting at us. And the projects was a one-way street going uptown. Um, projects on the left-hand side, we were parked on the right-hand side. And this is how crazy it is, you know. They were shooting from the roof, shooting from the bushes. So it's, 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 it's fucking... A battle zone right now. Oh yeah, these yeah, motherfuckers are shooting. Zone. Yeah, they're shooting at us. Right. And, we're, and and you are targets. Y'all like yeah. y'all ain't shooting back. Y'all y'all. No, we have no guns. Right. We're like scrambling to get back into this to get in this Jeep Wrangler. And Daryl was driving Scott in the passenger seat. Mick Boo on the left side behind the driver. I'm in the center. Manager Mo. They're shooting at us. Daryl pulls off. I see Scott swerving. You know what I'm saying? And then I look and I can literally see the blood coming out of his head. Damn. You know what I mean? And, uh, yes, yeah, it's just crazy. Um, and, you know, and it just freaked me out because it's like bullets had to go past Daryl, had to go past us to hit Scott. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, yeah, sorry, man. I get a no, little no, 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 emotional no. thinking about this. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's the dude who uh, introduced me to everything that I do right Change now. Change your life. You know, and, uh, yeah, I don't even talk about this much, right. but uh, yeah, seeing that was was crazy, you know, and knowing that it was over nothing, right? You know, and and uh, yeah, it was it was it was crazy. It was crazy. Pardon me, bro. Pardon nah, nah. Me. Yeah, yeah. The biggest me, question though, because I remember like it was things were moving so fast. Yeah, the record came out. It was so big. 
that news came out. But before that news even happened, I remember that you guys really had your first major platform at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, that was after Scott passed. Though. Right. It was yeah. like, but it was like, but sh- that was like, part of it. Yeah. Right. It was shortly after. Like, were yeah. you already booked for that, or was this after Scott passed? No, it was already booked for that. Right. I well, didn't. Well, go was to it the show. Fresh Fest, or was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I it was one of those. It was one of those. For, I, right. Honestly, that part is a blur. Right. Um, I didn't even go to the show, right. man, because I I carried that guilt, you right. know, of uh, you know, this dude, like our group, we we were stars, you know what I mean, and now we just lost the leader of the group over some bullshit over bullshit that you were inadvertently part of that I was part of right you know like and and it wasn't even like like I said it was no it was no flirting there was no like I didn't even know what was going on right. you know what I mean and uh you're yeah. seven you're 16 at the time 16 yeah 16 years old man. are you thinking is this shit over I wasn't thinking about that right. I was thinking about I just lost my friend right and I for the first time in my life I seen someone death with bullets in their head right and it happened to be the same person that showed me how to live you right. know what i mean mm-hmm. so internet ain't no more to it they you, we just gave you 10 nuggets 10 nuggets of course there's so many other episodes that we could have included in this list there's so much to go through man so much to go through i want to thank you know my co-host throughout the year man premium pete he's not in tonight you know what i'm saying premium pete was premium pete was on point in 2014, definitely got to give a shout out to A King. I'm saying the guru, the behind the scenes, behind the scenes guru. Got to definitely give a shout out to our sound man, producer, Jonathan Mena, who joined the team in 2014. And he was just in such an incredible addition to the team. I want to give a shout out to Brian Summers. Brian Summers has been taking these incredible, incredible photos that you see on our Instagram page and, and, and on, on, on Twitter and on social media. Definitely got to give a shout out to Theodis Jones, man, who keeps banging y'all in the head with these glorious show bills. Theotis, we see what. Um, you know, the great folks over at Engine Room Audio, Scotty, Samir, and everybody else, man. You know, cats behind the scenes, Matt Raz, you know, Chris Morrow, you know, my wife, unbelievable Kim. And man, listen, I owe thanks to, oh, Dallas Penn. How can I forget Dallas Penn? Crazy as Dallas Penn. Now you see him, now you don't, but he will always be a member of the Combat Jack Show. I'm not going to talk much longer yo it's, it's the new years it's the holidays I'm a, I'm a little woozy myself i'm saying and and, and i'm gonna just leave it at this man dream those dreams and man up and live those dreams because the life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows and technicolor and surround sound we'll be back the combat jack show will be back in your ear hole in 2015 tell a friend bitch bow Numenati! this episode of the combat jack show was produced by jonathan menner Executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan, and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Networks production. Internets, internets, internets. It's that time of year again. You know, our advertisers have been very happy with the job you guys have been doing in terms of responding you know, to our products that we push on on the Combat Jack show. But now they want to be a little bit more in-depth in terms of who really listens to the combat jackson we got another survey now i gotta thank y'all because last year or the year before y'all did a great job filling out this survey i really really need y'all especially jumping into this new year this 2015 year you know 2014 did the most but 2015 is going to do the mostest and i really really need your help in filling out this survey go to tcjs that's the combat jack show tcjs survey.com 
tcjssurvey.com. Fill out that survey. Won't take that much out of your time. Fill that shit out. You're doing a good cause by keeping us here on the airwaves and in your ear hole. Go to tcjssurvey.com. Fill out that survey and help us to continue looking strong out here on these internets. Yeah.